This episode of the Comic Timing Podcast is dedicated in loving memory and tribute to my grandfather, Dr. Edward Altman. 95 years young, and the reason why I have the sense of humor that I do. Love you forever, Grandpa. See us. Comic Timing is a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network, Network bitch. bitch. <laughs> Print it. Welcome to episode 191 of Comic Timing, a comics podcast devoted to the average comic book fan from the average comic book fan. Join in as Brent Casina and some other people and myself, Ian Levinson, discuss whatever comes to mind time after time here on Comic Timing. We're back for the first time in a little while to catch up on what we've been watching, what we've been reading, and stuff that's been happening in the industry. The basic rundown of what we do most episodes these days, but eh, every now and then there'll be a little bit of a change. Here now, Comic Timing. Hey there, folks. My name is Ian Levinson, and welcome to episode 191 of Comic Timing. And we have road roaming reporter Brent Casina out in uh, Tampa this time around. So you might hear a slight bit of an audio quality difference, but I don't want him having to hold his phone up to his head the entire time. So he's on his Bluetooth uh, speakers, but we can hear him just perfectly fine. Brent, what up? Sorry, I'm a whiny bitch. <laughs> you are not a whiny bitch, man. Come on, please. We can again. We can we can hear you just about the same quality as we, as we I used to have like Murd on back in the day on his like flip phone. So it's it's not it's not that big of a deal. We can still hear you. That's what matters. Alrighty. Yep. Uh, and uh, returning for the first time in a couple episodes, Mister Donovan Morgan Grant. Donovan, what's going on? Wakanda forever. <laughs> hey, we'll be getting to that definitely. We're de- we're most definitely going to be uh, spoilery v- reviewing Black Panther on this episode uh, a little bit later on once uh, Brandon joins us as uh, he's on his way back from work at the moment. So uh, once he's here, we will go ahead and transition into that. But uh, I figure we'll start off with a little bit of comic news first, since a decent amount of stuff has happened over the past couple of months since we last recorded. Um, Bendis is 100% officially doing Superman at this point, uh, taking over both Superman books and beginning with a miniseries uh, called Superman, uh, Man of Steel, which you know obviously <laughs> is a name that they have never used before at DC Comics and has no connotations with any Superman reboots of any sort. <laughs> not the, not the eighties, not burn, not the movies, nothing, <laughs> nothing whatsoever. It's a completely new concept. I love that they're even using Burn's old logo for the uh, for the uh, logo text. <laughs> oh, I don't even think I noticed that. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, and like uh, I was reminded that like Burn was both on Action and Superman in like nineteen eighty seven or whatever it was. So it's mm-hmm. like you know breakout Robin Williams. What year is it? But uh, it's pretty much. <laughs> Although he said that it wasn't, a, it wasn't a reboot. It was just kind of his run, yeah. basically. Yeah, I, I know he's going to be dealing with like some uh, some future guys coming back in time to mess with Superman, and uh, I feel like there's at least going to be a little bit of origin retelling in there, one way or another, um, whether he knows it or not. But uh, but Brent, I mean, what's what's your thoughts? I mean, obviously you're more of a, ba- a Batman guy than a Superman guy, but is Bendis going to get you to pick up uh, Superman on a regular basis? I mean, you, I know you've been liking the rebirth stuff. I mean, the Superman titles since Rebirth, both of them have been excellent. I think I have been enjoying the action comics run more than Superman, mm-hmm. especially as of the last couple months. But, yeah, um, yeah I'll, I'll pick them up and check them out. 
I didn't know whether they didn't say whether they were going to continue to be bi-monthly titles, which would mean basically if Bendis is going to put out a book a week uh, from writing. I so. don't think that's the case. I think that we're going to get a continuing story in between Superman and Action Comics. I think that that's basically what they're going to do. It'll be twice a month Superman action, but just not, uh, you know, not four times a month, which frankly i'm perfectly fine with because there's no like one of the reasons why i'm as far behind on my comics as i am is because it was it was twice monthly to begin with um so switching away from that i'm perfectly okay with yeah that's interesting yeah um i don't so i I, if he's doing that i don't understand why he had to take over both books then um that's a good rather than keep a twice monthly pace on one book right and let somebody else write superman or action i I, that's a good question yeah i well (laughs) Like yeah, Donovan. I mean, I mean, what are your what are your thoughts on that? I mean, would you rather see a different uh, creative team on one book rather than having them be on both like that? Well, um, well, first I think that they did that because, like, I mean, first when Bendis was announced to be going to DC, it was it's some of the biggest like creator comic book news I I've witnessed in a long time. I think, and uh, you know, him being on Superman, that's some of the biggest like Superman creator news I've heard, heard in forever. So I think that like, I think it's just to make the idea of a Bendis done Superman much more complete rather mm. than just, oh, he's on this title. Right. Like I, because, because he's, I would, you know, he's been like the most popular or at least the most notable Marvel writer in the last 15, potentially 20 years, whether mm-hmm. you like him or don't like him. Right. So I think that like, it is just the idea of the Bendis Superman more than anything else. And, and I agree um, with Brent that like, I've, I've been reading Superman consistently more than I ever have in my life. Mm-hmm. I, I read action comics today. I've been digging it. I've been digging the Superman book and I'm glad that I, as we said before, they're not tossing anything out. I mean, they might fudge the origin, but there's no, like, you know, there's no, they're not starting over from the beginning again. But so I think that from what I've heard him say and from what I've read in interviews and what, um, uh, I heard, I heard him in the, in the word balloon, uh, interview he did. It's going to be just like a complete kind of bended Superman era Rather than just oh he's starting this one title and it happens to be Superman, I think I think they're kind of really jump starting the idea of Superman as the important DC Comics character again. Yeah, I just wonder how they're going to collect it if they're going to collect it in because up until now you've had different volumes for Action Comics and Superman, um, and now you're we're going to do away with that and just have a Bendis Superman Volume One kind of thing and it's going to collect both. Well, that that's more than likely going to be the case. Yeah, it, it wouldn't surprise me. It, it wouldn't be the first time that they've had that they've uh, you know combined things in that fashion. Um, but I I understand it because even even when he was with it, even when he was at Marvel, he was doing both Avengers and New Avengers. You know, like he he wasn't just on one title. I mean, yes, at times there were other people writing the books, but for the most part, he entirely took over that line. And that's what they want to do here with Superman. They want Bendis to have his stamp and just write both titles. Um, I think handing it off to somebody else would cheapen that a little bit and perhaps not get them nearly as much hype as they they were expecting. And also, who knows how long he's going to be on both of these titles. After his initial arc, he could very easily wind up doing what he did on Mighty Avengers back in the day and, you know, exit the book after 12 issues and then just have somebody else take over and... Uh, you know, wind up doing their own story on, say, regular Superman while he sticks on action, or vice versa. I, I, I have an idea that he'll be in it for at least 
three years. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if this, they've, been, they've specified the, the the limits of his contract, but from what I've heard, you know, his, his ideas on how to do Clark Kent and how he's planning on doing, you know, making Superman his his kind of Superman stories. I really think that this is kind of you know the big thing he's going to be doing for the future before anything else. Like it's it's kind of like. Um, I mean, when Scott Snyder did Batman during the New 52, that was after his Detective Comics run, but like it was kind of like, you know, the Snyder Batman. And I think that from what all I've heard, it's not going to be like this sort of guest stint. It's going to be like legitimately like, um, for the, for the near, for the, for the, for the future, uh, his, his goal. I mean, I could be wrong, but I, I, I feel that like, uh, for whatever they're going to be doing with the DC Comics characters and, um, and forever long, it'll be, He'll be there for a while, I think. Although, you know, he, he might be there for like three months and then leave or something. I don't know. <laughs> I, I'd say it's a solid year, at least, more than likely. Uh, that 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 sounds that sounds about right. Um, you know, I'm excited. I, yeah, no, I'm I'm definitely excited as well. I think I think that this could be. I, I, for one thing, I mean, seeing seeing a guy like Bendis put his stamp on a t- on a title like Superman and a, and a character like Superman. Is certainly going to be interesting to see, um, just because he's never really worked at DC before. In fact, I don't think he's ever worked at DC before, right? Never. Yeah. That's my knowledge. No. Yeah. So we'll we'll. Yeah, we'll... I hope it rejuvenates him because the last couple of years, like, it's just not been his best stuff. Let's be honest. I mean, mm-hmm. ever since he got on Guardians, it was kind of mass to mid level. Yeah, his, then, his uh, Miles book his was kind of middling too. Stuff, yeah, Miles. Once they relaunched that that title, was kind of okay. Uh, so so after Secret Wars, and mm-hmm. um, I don't know the Iron Man stuff never really grasped me. I like yeah. the idea of Riri and stuff like that, but it just wasn't it wasn't the best story being told about Iron Man that you could tell. You Je- know what I mean, so Jessica Jones definitely still had the old Bendis feel to me. Um, and even the, the yeah, even there's more the, passion behind that, I yes, guess, than the other characters. Absolutely, and same with Defenders too, because that uh, that that was all characters that he's you know had an affinity for before, and he yeah. it was essentially writing a, a, a version of his New Avengers book. Yeah, so I I, I, I fell behind on Defenders, but I, uh, I heard that it was it got it, it was just better and better, and I, I mean to kind of complete that run. Yeah, what were you to say, Brent? The, the New Avengers run, the second volume ended with Luke Cage and Iron Fist walking away like they were going to start a Defenders book. But that was five years ago? (laughs) (laughs) Whoops. Thereabouts, yeah. Thanks, Netflix. Yeah, seriously. I I don't... I don't know. It's it's, it's all complicated, man. And uh, it's all politics, as usual. All right. uh, We are now joined by Mr. Brandon Christopher on a somewhat good headset, so hopefully it's actually going to be working. Uh, hey, Brandon, what up? Hey, guys, what's going on? Not too much, man. Uh, you didn't miss much. Uh, we're actually talking Bendis on soups right now, uh, so might as well just get your thoughts on it. Uh, we were mentioning how uh, how him taking over both books, uh, but it only being uh, you know twice monthly versus four times a month like it is now is a bit of a cutback, and we were kind of wondering why they decided to do both action and Superman for him. But uh, what, what's your take on uh, on the whole Bendis takeover? Uh, um, I, I like the idea of New Blood, especially if it's coming from Marvel to mm-hmm. DC. I mean, you saw what happened when J.R.J.R. jumped ship to DC also on the artwork for Superman. Yeah. Although it wasn't as great as a transition I thought it would be. I think Bendis probably... <laughs> no. Ser- 
uh, yeah, his artwork was just muddy. Uh, I think it's going to actually serve DC a little bit better. Hopefully, it'll draw in new readers, mm-hmm. uh, especially from, from the Marvel side, because that's what Bendis does. Bendis is a name that people recognize and know. Yeah. Uh, I, hopefully, the stories won't suck and they won't be all sounding the same, but we'll find out. Well, and, and, and DC's had some, some interesting announcements in general over the past couple of weeks, like, uh, for instance, this Black Label line, which sounds like it should be a wicker. Uh, sounds yeah. like it should be a Johnny it Walker crossover thing. I know, like, I, I kind of, I kind of want to just like grab every single issue of this and just sit down with a nice, a nice snifter and just mix it around a little bit and maybe drop one yeah. or two ice cubes in. Get junk off your Superman Year One. Yes, yeah. definitely. It gives you a really, really good whiskey cough when you're reading that shit. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, you thought Man of Steel made you angry? Just wait, fanboys. Okay, seriously, Brent. Man of Steel in a whole new light. We need Bend over. the 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 subtitle for Superman Year One has to be Whiskey Cough, <laughs> as opposed to Horse. Yes. Uh, so I hope I hope JRJR like he needs his art doesn't really it doesn't match the DC universe. I think mm-hmm. I mean thirty years at Marvel will do that to an artist, but right. I think it's Klaus Jansen, honestly. Like he needs to ditch Klaus Jansen and bring back Scott Anna. Uh, I agree. Heavy inks you know, aren't, aren't a good thing. Uh, yeah, Klaus Jansen's just too heavy on JRJR. Have they said yet Dean whether White or not? Too. I think yeah. I think his colors are going to bland. Have they yeah. said yet whether or not Klaus Jansen's going to be the inker on this thing? I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me. It's Frank Miller. True. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, 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 I want to say that Jansen did that Dark Knight special. That uh, Ramita did with Miller. Mm-hmm. Hold on, let me comicsology that shit. Yeah, but I, I yeah. <laughs> the the thing the thing that gets me the most is oh good a Superman Year One story from the man who has gone on record to saying he does not like Superman. Well, there is a quote of him saying like I don't know what this was, but he did say before uh, that the way that Superman is in Dark Knight Returns is kind of how. He saw that from like the Batman world perspective. He did say if he were to be writing Superman, uh, he would approach him differently. Mm-hmm. But that was back when that was like twenty years ago. Uh, Frank Miller now, you know, post Holy Terror and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And the master rate, like who knows what's going to happen. <laughs> he he's uh, I mean, well, we don't even know how much of Master Race he actually wrote though. Like that. Yeah, it could have been Azarello, like like holding his hand as he as he drew as he uh, uh, wrote it. Exactly. Oh. What's up? There was no anchor on the Dark Knight Last Crusade. Okay. It was straight from his pencils. Got it. I will say, I actually really like that book. You know what's that weird story. is they sold a single issue and then they you can buy a FN collection on Comixology mm-hmm. for like 12 bucks. <laughs> the difference is 67 oh. pages, 76 pages. Okay. <laughs> well then. Yeah. I uh, I don't know. I'm I'm... I'm not exactly looking forward to Superman Year One. I am much more looking forward to Batman Last Night on Earth uh, by Snyder and Capullo, just because it's Snyder and Capullo, and you know they have they have much more of a pedigree for me. I'm not <clears throat> I'm not as gaga over their Batman as some other people are, but I I'm definitely enjoying DC Metal. Um, and I'm not. You're not really. I mean, I was kind of enjoying it, but it definitely didn't have any like really metal elements so far mm-hmm. other than like the first issue okay and the whole the first problem i had with it was like the first two prequels 
the forge and the casting barely made any sense to mm. me. Um, <laughs> just some weird nonlinear storytelling, and then you jump in with issue one, and like Batman's got baby dark side and a knapsack and like that was cool but they never really i don't remember them following up with that and then the last issue was just like grant morrison whiskey dick in your mouth and i was like i don't want to read this shit final crisis sucks we all agreed on that except for murder why is it coming back in dc metal in the second to last issue to foul it all up <laughs> this is why I love this podcast. Yeah, you know. <laughs> to be fair, though, Final Crisis did suck, but Final Crisis Superman Beyond 3D was amazing. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. It was. It was. Yeah, and that was. And that was I all Morrison too. About all the music and the uh, Nick Zuotan and the weird Yellow Submarine from the Beatles. It's like, can we just leave that shit in the past? What? Well, okay. I thought this was going to be his story. Now it's turned into a Morrison fest. Brent, I, I think I mentioned this on the show at, at some point that. I actually sat down and I read Final Crisis as a collection. Uh, I did too. A, a year or two after it came out, um, I did too. Yeah, and I enjoyed it. <laughs> I, and I enjoyed it way more than I did when I was reading it piecemeal. Because piecemeal, it made absolutely no sense because you would wait like a month or two, you completely forget everything that happened in the last issue, and then you'd be like, "What the fuck am I reading?" Uh, no, I still maintain that Final Crisis doesn't. It like it's metal's doing the exact same thing. Final Crisis. The first five issues, or six issues, up until Superman Beyond came out, was about Darkseid taking over Earth. Mm -hmm. Then we get this weird ultra-monitor, uh, 3D musical Superman, and all that other stuff. <laughs> and that's what the last issue was of Final Crisis. Nothing, really nothing to do about Darkseid. Oh, he was there, but Batman shot him with a gun, and uh, the artist changed hands multiple times. And it's like the same thing now with... Um, Barbados and stuff, and now Barbados is his ultimate anti-music villain and stuff. It's just every single time I see Barbados on 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 the uh, on my on my Comicsology app, I just think to myself, Barbados Slim from Futurama. <laughs> what is it? He won an Olympic medal for sex. Yes, yes. <laughs> Uh, but again, I'm I'm enjoying it way more. Maybe I just like weirder shit more than you do, and and it does remind me of Morrison. But I, I can follow it a little bit more than I that I can follow half of Morrison shit. So I don't know. I mean, I'm down for weird shit. It just doesn't make sense narratively to to throw in this switch up at the last second. Well, then it's I'm almost like his original ideal idea fainted. Well, then I'm sure you cannot wait for his Justice League run. I hope it's more readable. I don't know. Yeah, Brandon, are, are you going to be doing Justice League? I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah, no. Uh, uh, but Snyder is uh, is going to be taking. He's going to be doing a Justice League miniseries uh, to start off his run, and then after that, is going to be taking over the main Justice League book. I'm not sure if Capullo is coming with him or not. Um, but it's definitely going. Uh, to be... I don't think he is if he's doing the, the other book. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Then then it's it's most definitely going to be Snyder on writing. Um, sort of, I feel like they're trying to make Snyder into the next Jeff Johns in some ways, uh, writing wise. Like, oh yeah, like, yeah. He's 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 like the last. I mean, he's the only thing from New Fifty Two that anybody liked practically. I still survived. Yeah, you're you're not wrong yeah. about that. Yeah, uh, but Brandon, have you read any of the metal? I forget, or, or is that uh, too too far ahead for you? Too far ahead for me, unfortunately. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, Sorry if I spoiled it. No, no, don't worry. I've 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 heard um surmises already. Uh, it's it's a a good concept, I think, and it ties into the Batman that laughs, which is cool. Yeah. But um, like, 
I don't need more like you know extreme grimdark or extreme you know edgy superhero comics anymore. I'm like I'm good. I'm past that. Oh, those yeah. are extreme. Just read the solo issues <laughs> where like they explain where the Batman from old, the evil dimensions came from. Those were really <laughs> cool. I mean, and and, and mind you, good, that, yeah. That, that's that's, that, that's grim. You know, if the, if there's one thing that you people know about me is that I fucking love multiverse shit. And that's yeah. that might be one of the reasons why this thing is working as well as it is for me is because it's absolutely I mean come on all these dark versions of Batman running around joining their basically putting together their own version of the of the Justice League only dark and they're all Bruce Wayne like all right I'm I'm oh, done. Yeah. God. oh god this sounds, this sounds so familiar hey remember uh, Dark Avengers oh that sounds that's what it sounds like <laughs> actually actually you know what Brandon remember that that team of all Wolverines that showed up in Exiles. Oh God! Yes. <laughs> Which, by the way, is coming back. Exiles is coming right. back. I'm absolutely thrilled and, about that. And there wasn't there an wasn't there an actual Wolverine on the team of Wolverines? Uh, yes, there was actually. <laughs> oh God! It's oh God! It's all coming! It's all coming back again! It's all cyclical. <laughs> and, and the and, coming back to me. And the, my life is flashing before my eyes. My God! And, and the Wolverine that's going to be on this new version of the Exiles is basically the uh, he's the not not the baby Wolverine from the X Babies, but the even cuter version of Wolverine that was created by like Mojo's rival. Uh, Mojo two? Not I don't even know if it was Mojo two. It was whoever had like a competing Mojo verse. Um, it, with Mojo, like he created these like even further cartoon versions of the X Men, and, oh, and and that's where this Wolverine comes from. Along yeah, with all I hear, all I hear is George George Lewis going. You know, it's like rhyming couplets. You know, <laughs> they they rhyme. It's like poetry. It's like poetry and rhymes. <laughs> oh god! Speaking of Wolverines, I cannot wait to get rid of Old Man Logan. Yeah, he's uh, what a useless character. Eh, I don't know. He's <laughs> he's all right. He's all right. Uh, he, he serves he serves the story well for Laurie. I think he's like that that mentor character that she really needs. Right. But, that yeah. that book was good when Lemire was writing it, but. When Deodato came on, it was just like, hey, let's throw everything to the wind, and we don't know when this book takes place. <laughs> We're fighting the Hulks again, the Hulks family. <laughs> Where does this take place? My, my favorite issue of Old Man Logan was when he had to deal with hemorrhoids. It was double-sized. Yeah, right. Oh, oh, no. oh really <laughs> Grant. Who the hell is Grant? Donovan Morgan Grant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Um, but w- l- let me weird. let me mention also Batman Damned by Azarello and and Lee Bermejo because they only yeah. ever work together, apparently. And eh, I, I don't know. I, I could be all right with that. That's the Constantine book. I say Constantine. You say Constantine. Uh, and uh, yes, apparently someone has killed the Joker. However, there isn't a mystery Batman can solve with his fists. So that's mystical shit. Or so whatever. That hey, if it's I mean, Bermejo like, like, doing every art, every page painted, mm-hmm. like Batman Noel, I'm all for it. Yeah. If it's Bermejo doing every three pages painted, like the Joker hardcover we got a few years ago, yeah. which good, but the art made it inconsistent, mm-hmm. no thanks. Okay. Fair enough. Oh, I didn't know that. I, I, yeah, I, go, I go pick up, go look at the Joker hardcover and skim through it. And some pages are him just doing pencils and inks. And the other pages are fully rendered. And it looks a lot better when it's rendered, even though he's still a great artist. Just the inconsistency, even from... And it's not stylistic, either. It's not like uh, Batman Hush had these painted 
sequences where Bruce was remembering. It's yeah, not even special. it's not even framed narratively like that. It's just random pages like for impact or whatever. But go look at the Luthor miniseries or the Noel graphic novel that came out last year, which was all right. Those are all fully like painted, rendered, beautiful, beautiful art. Noel was like twenty twelve or something like that. No, I think it was twenty fourteen, twenty fifteen. Ooh, Noel was a long time ago. I'm pr- I'm pretty it sure it was like long. 2012. Like, like Chris- the Christmas story. Come to me, comicsology. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is gonna be Brett Dahl episode. Uh, just looking shit up on comicsology. Well, while while he does that though, let me mention that the one that I'm actually really looking forward to is uh, Kelly Sue DeConnick's first work with DC, which I I firmly believe is happening because of Bendis because. Kelly Sue and Fraction are friends with Bendis, and chances are Bendis was like, "Hey, you want you, you know uh, put her, put her foot in the door, uh, you know you want to write some Wonder Woman?" And obviously she said yes because she gets to work with Phil Jimenez on Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman Historia, the Amazons. Uh, it's uh, essentially almost like a secret history of the Themyscarans, uh, and uh, it looks it looks like it's going to be really cool. I'm I'm absolutely down with that. Uh, and it's not even the only Wonder Woman book we're getting because we're also getting Wonder Woman Diana's Daughter by Greg Rucka. So any 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 Rucka Wonder Woman work I'm down for? Yes, absolutely. Donovan, you were right. Batman Noel came out 2013. Right. Yeah, I, I, I guess it was it was re-released in, in, in a prestige format or or black and or was it like stripped like the black and white version? I'm not I'm not mm-hmm. sure, but I, I knew it had been around for a while. Yeah. So all this stuff all this stuff sounds cool to me. Um, I appreciate that it's all prestige format. So, you know, like a, once like five or six issues come out, bam, it's done. That's it. You move on to the next thing. Some of these are things they are still just, doing like the Earth One stuff. I don't. Yes. Are they really? I got the Green Lantern one today and read it. It's great. Oh, cool. Who did that? Uh, Gabriel Hardman uh, did half the writing and all the art. Interesting. Ooh. He had a writing partner. Okay. All right. I'm I'm down with that. I'll see if my so local if library. If you want to know what it's about, there will be a review on the YouTube channel tomorrow. Okay, cool. That, da, da, da. that definitely works with me. All right, cool. Um, let me let me transition a little bit uh, over to uh, Marvel. Well, one last DC thing. If I sure, can. go ahead. Has anybody been reading Batman White Knight? No. Yeah, it's fantastic, isn't it? It's, it's solid. It's it's all it's very very interesting stuff and I like a, um, I like I like the ideas that are put forth because they're pretty they're pretty provocative but it's it's good without feeling like it's just just another Batman story which a lot of Batman stories say they're not going to be but they end up being. Mm-hmm. So so I'm really enjoying it. What's it, what's it about? Because I, I don't I haven't really so, heard much. Basically, um, Joker finds some pills somehow that turn him. Uh, into Jack Napier, and he's not crazy. Mm-hmm. So instead of pills driving him crazy, they drive him sane. Mm-hmm. And when he becomes sane, he realizes all the harm he's done against Gotham as the Joker, and then also at the same time realizes all the harm that Batman is doing to Gotham as Batman. So he's simultaneously trying to stop Batman from being harmful to Gotham and stay sane. And then Batman, in a fit of rage, because he knows this guy's the Joker and he just can't get over that he's sane now, is uh, escalating things, you know, every issue until the ultimate showdown happens, which is kind of the next, I think the final two issues where we're at right now. So it's kind of the reverse of The Man Who Laughs. Yeah. 
And sort there's of, two yeah. Harley Quinns. There's uh, the new 52 Harley Quinn. Uh-huh. It starts out, and then it turns out that she is the second Harley Quinn in this universe. And then it goes back to, like, classic animated series Harley Quinn. Huh. Um, so it's, it's interesting. Very pointed he's commentary. Kind of, yeah, he's, he's playing on, on things. It, but it, it, Jack it, Napier and Harley Quinn 1, the original uh-huh. one, are in love. Yeah. And um, are, I guess, going to get married at some point in this series. Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, that that's that he, sounds really cool. He turns uh, Jack Napier is kind of the main character of the book. He's mm-hmm. the White Knight, but uh, he's very compelling the way that he's being written. Okay. All right, I'm down with that. Who, who's who's the who's the writer on this? Sean Gordon Murphy is the writer and artist. Okay. All right. Well, I uh, I assume you're getting it on Comicsology, right? Uh, I won't, but I'll pick up the trade for sure. All right. Cool. Yeah, then I'll, I I will I will either get it from the library or that'll be one of my one of my trade purchases that I wind up making either on Comixology or elsewhere. Um, since we're mentioning it before we even get to to anything else, um, Comixology has been my bitch lately because there have been I mean, you've been Comixology's bitch because they've gotten you to spend money. Yeah, you're damn right. Because <laughs> like mainly Marvel yeah. made Comixology make you their bitch. I. I have Marvel Unlimited, and I use Marvel Unlimited, and I'm still buying stuff on Amazon because it's that freaking cheap. And yes, specifically Amazon, because every deal that just about every single deal that's on Comixology is on Amazon. And if you purchase it through Amazon, it gets added both to your Amazon uh, books and your Comixology when it comes to Marvel and DC. So that's pretty cool. And lately, there have been 99-cent deals out the wazoo on Comixology when it comes to Marvel. Yeah, on trades. And the individual issues are also on sale, but for more than the trades. (laughs) Because... Yeah, and that's interesting because... Every about every quarter, every three months, Amazon will have a blowout sale of Marvel on Kindle. Mm-hmm. So you'll get the newest trades for like two fifty four, three dollars, whatever. Yeah, uh, which is like I think I got that um, Rob Liefeld Dare, uh, Deadpool graphic novel, Bad Blood, mm-hmm. which was okay. Yeah, I got that for like three bucks the week it came out because it happened during one of those sales. Yeah, I picked so up. I, I think I have spent like three hundred bucks that day. <laughs> I picked up an ass load of trades uh, for pretty much virtually no money. Um, Like, uh, over the past couple of weeks, I've gotten, I think, the first three volumes of Ta-Nehisi Coates' Black Panther. So I look forward to reading through those. Um, Yeah, I've I've only read read like one or two issues of it, but now I get to read the whole damn thing. Uh, Volume one of the Jean Grey series. Uh, volume one of Astonishing X Men uh, because it's it's written. Uh, I think that's the one that Lemire is writing now, if I remember correctly. Um, oh, uh, sorry, it's uh, oh, it's a whole bunch of different people. But Charles Soule, uh, Charles Soule was the right main writer on Astonishing X Men, and I do actually like him. So pick that up. Uh, and then a whole bunch of Epic collections came out this week, and they were ninety nine cents. So the the Mutant Genesis arc. That, that starts in X Factor and works its way towards X Men number one from the nineties. Uh, it is a collection of like eighteen issues for ninety nine cents, and I went ahead and picked that up. 
uh, there's a new mutants collection that I picked up for 99 cents. The cross time caper of Excalibur for 99 cents. <laughs> uh, Master of Kung Fu for 99 cents. Sweet. And uh, and X Men Age of Apocalypse that uh, the second series of X Men Age of Apocalypse that they did um, that uh, that came out a couple years ago with Greg Pak as the writer. This was like. 17 or 18 issues all combined for 99 cents. So I, I yeah, I, I have a lot to read. And I think I picked up the, the Thor by Walt Simonson one and two for 99 cents each. Oh, nice. And then the complete Jeff Johns run on Avengers is available for 99 cents a book. Okay. That's awesome. only two volumes of that. I picked that up. Oh, and I, I did get the generations because uh, those were some really good one shots. And uh, to be able to read all of the one shots for ninety nine cents, I will gladly do that. So that's that's another thing that I that I wound up getting there. But combine that with the fact that um, who here listens to uh, Jay and Miles explain the X Men? I do. Okay, good. Heard all about them, but I've yet to start an episode. All right. Um, over the last two months, and probably even less than that, I've gotten about. 55 episodes in. Yeah, same here. Yeah, like it's basically all I listen to uh, like whenever I'm on the train and it's it's really gotten me back into reading old X-Men stuff. Um, and I, like even like earlier today I read the first ever issue of, uh, of New Mutants on Marvel Unlimited. I've been reading some of the classic X-Men issues that came out back when we were kids. Um, that uh, were reprints of uh, of Claremont stuff, and pretty much all of the original Uncanny X Men is on uh, Marvel Unlimited now. I'm a little annoyed that there's still spots of like X Factor and New Mutants and books like that where they don't have like ten to fifteen issues at a time, which is annoying. And I hope that they actually you know fill those in at some point, but. You know, if I wind up getting to that point, then whatever, I'll I'll try to find them either on Comicsology or, or elsewhere, and hopefully be able to fill in my uh, my collection that way. But um, I also read the back from twenty what was that? I think twenty fourteen or twenty fifteen the Cyclops series, but that uh, Greg Rucka did. Oh, with him and uh. Uh, Corsair in space. Yes, yes. With with young Cyclops and Corsair and the Star Jammers and uh, he, the only only I think only like the first five issues are done by Greg Rucka, but then after that it's uh, it's picked up by uh, I'm blanking on who picked it up afterwards, but also by by a pretty good writer. Um, and uh, and I'm really enjoying it. It's it's genuine like fun uh, in in and it involves Cyclops, and that, that does not happen very often. People shit on Cyclops way too much. He's always been one of my favorite X-Men. Because he's an angsty bitch. That's why. Okay? <laughs> but he has he has optic rage. Yes, he does. <laughs> like Whatever he, that means. I, I, okay. No, Brandon. All right. Come on. You, you just you just went ahead and did the moan. I, I, I just read classic X-Men number one, which, you know, retells, at least, not retells, but like has at least parts of giant size X-Men in it. And the 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 moaning and whining of Cyclops when his optic blasts come back are just that's classic Cyclops as a dick to me. Like 
Like, come on, come on, man, suck it up. He's talking to Professor Xavier about how, no, you know, I'm I'm cursed with this, and my life will never be normal. And, and Professor Xavier's like, yeah, he is, though. yeah, uh, dude, I like, I, I, I'm I'm in a wheelchair. I'm I'm standing I'm I'm standing right here. Oh wait, no, I'm not, because because I'm because I'm in a wheelchair. So, uh, yeah, you want you want you want to talk to me about uh, about problems and issues that I that that I have to deal with? Because uh, hello, and then Scott's like. Oh, right. The issue after uh, John Proudstar dies, where he's like in the middle of nowhere, like kind of like 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 uh, grieving and stuff, and he like destroys a bunch of trees, and he says no with his optic blast, like makes me laugh so hard with a Dave Cockrum artwork. Oh my god, it's so funny. Uh, Brandon, have you gotten to when they do Secret Wars two yet? Yes, I'm actually on the last episode of that one. I'm on the, when they're talking about the new mutants now. We're essentially at the same spot then. That's 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 kind of awesome. Yeah, because I I. I just listened to that new mutants uh episode today and there is nothing nothing brings me more joy than hearing them shit on the beyonder oh he is a terrible character he uh, is absolutely terrible my god he's jim shooter's pet project that that just question compl- yeah sorry no no Are go these ahead one or two of the dudes from end Kenny x cast back in the day no no these are totally different dudes these are these are different dudes um these but are same concept like we're going through the x-men chronologically yeah uh they do it very differently than the uncanny x cast do though um it's it's a little bit more scripted um and uh a little less i mean they a little less linear too like they'll they'll do uh like they did an entire episode of dazzler at one point where they went over the Beauty and the Beast miniseries, which I didn't even know existed, but surprisingly, like Marvel just put out the Beauty and the Beast epic collection like three days ago, and that's ninety nine cents right now on Comicsology. Epic collection that is a ironic title for that com- for that comic book. Tell me about it, please. <laughs> um, and uh, like they they talk about you know they'll talk about like random things out of order, but they're mainly doing from Claremont era to present day. Um, and where I am right now, they're uh, like 1985-ish. Five. Yeah, five. Yeah. I'm on episode 56 right now. Yep. Yeah, you're you're like one or two behind where I am. Yeah. Like I'll take I'll take long walks and I'll just put uh, uh, Jay and Miles on and and wind up going through it. But it's it, it's really informative and it 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 in some ways boosted. Like I mean, I, I love comics, but it, it reminds me why comics are as fun as they are. You know, like it, g- going through the insanity of some of the Claremont shit that went on, and at the same time, uh, just how much he mattered to what the X Men became and what they are today, even as so much has changed, is is really cool. So that's. Uh, it's 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 definitely got me to to start reading books again uh, that that I probably wouldn't have gotten to until like way further down the road. So there we go. Um, was there any other news we wanted to talk about before we get into our main review of the day? Did you want to? You said you mentioned uh, Marvel with I guess slot off Spider Man. Yes, yes. Let's 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 touch on that slightly. Um, we all saw it, we, yeah, we all saw it coming. I mean, dude's been on the book for what ten years now. If you're counting Brand New Day, yeah, his run started in 2010, but like since Brand New Day, uh, yeah, ten years. Yeah, um, and it's it's about time. I I, I enjoy Dan Slot, but 
you could tell the writing was on the wall. Like he was getting to, he was starting to write himself into a corner. I feel like he he had done just about everything he could do with the character, and uh, he's he's you know he's going out in style and and ending it where I believe he wants to end it, as opposed to being kicked off the book. And um, from what I hear, uh, he's taking over Iron Man after this. So that could be interesting. And Nick Spencer is going to be the new writer of Spider-Man, which... Yeah, with Ryan Ottilie artwork. Yeah. That, I'm, this is a book I'm much look, more looking forward to the art than I am the, the writing, because Spencer's iffy for me. But we'll see. We'll see. I mean, so the, if you read the fantastic uh, foes of Spider-Man, mm-hmm. did you read that at all? No, it's on my list, though. That was Nick Spencer, and that was excellent. Okay. Um, nothing to do with whatever fuck he did to uh, <laughs> Captain, Captain America. America yeah. That abortion. Yeah. Ooh. Hey. Hey. That that abortion is ninety nine cents right now on Comicsology. So uh, you know, if it, <laughs> say what you will about the Steve stuff, I loved his uh, Falcon stuff, or I'm sorry, his um, Sam Wilson Captain America stuff. Yeah. No. And there's a reason for that. Is that a lot of what was laid in front of him was done by Remender. But, but Remender's Remender's run sucked though. Like 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 the yeah, really? like the first time Sam was was cap. Yeah, really. You think so? It only lasted two issues with Stuart Immelman. I really no, yeah, yeah. Because that, that was, I mean, we, we might get this with Black Panther, but like that was kind of like okay, there's a black guy as Captain America. Let's see what we can do. And it was basically him fighting supervillains. Whereas Nick Spencer gave mm-hmm. him kind of a social conscious. I really enjoyed it. I thought it, it made it a lot more kind of compelling especially with the whole evil steve rogers arc mm-hmm. um so i, I kind of stick up for spencer in that respect i've not read everything he's done but uh i i'm, I'm interested in his asm uh i'm really <laughs> I'm, i never i never hated slot on spider-man yeah but i've you know like like the scars of one more day have never gone away and i think that slots <laughs> honestly like like the best that he had to offer was su- uh, superior spider-man that yeah. was a really, really solid story. Yes, and it was. Yes, it was definitely. I'm not going to say that he sucked after that. I'm not going to say that, but like, I genuinely don't like how he characterizes Peter Parker, and I kind of want another voice in there. Really? Because I huh. kind of feel that he, he really, he, he he has the narrative make it so like you're against him rather than you you relate to him. Mm. Whereas like, oh, Peter always screws up rather than the world's against him, and I kind of. Got sick of seeing that for like nine years, so I'm I'm interested to see what somebody else has to say about the character. Well, I I I have been enjoying uh, Slot's run. I'm I'm way behind, mind you. Like I'm still I'm still like uh, Marvel now, now, now versus Marvel now, 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 now. So I I still need to you know catch myself up to where it currently is. Marvel, no, 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 no. Exactly. Clone conspiracy. I heard positive things about, but I haven't actually gotten to it yet. That's next on my reading list. Hey, whatever. I I know who comes back in it, so I'm happy. Uh, and uh, you know, come on, as a nineties, I mean, like how he comes back. Hey, tell you that right now. As a nineties kid, there is a there is a title on the stands called Scarlet Spider. All right, that's all I need. That's all I freaking need, man. And I and, and I'm very interested to hear what you think about this after you're done with it. I'm sure. I'm sure that I'll have thoughts and opinions. I know that it's not all sunshine and roses about it, but I know that there's a Scarlet Spider book being written by Peter David right now on the stands that I. That I need to pick up at some point, and Mark Bagley on art, so whatever. 
that 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 at least makes me happy, and I'll I'll catch up to that when the time comes. But uh, the idea of him having a relationship with Mockingbird is interesting to me. Um, and I don't know, like I I I genuinely enjoyed the whole Peter as a rich man, and then you know the fallout from it, and also him as a as a mentor to Miles Morales. Uh, which I know I understand wasn't really touched on that much by Dan, but from what I've seen of it, um, I I did enjoy. So that's, you know, it it worked for me. And and it did take the stings of of stupid, you know, one more day bullshit out out of my hair that I just kind of forget it ever freaking happened at this point because, frankly, it's been what 15 years now since that happened like no it's been 10 years but like it feels like 50 right it's been it's been 25 years since that happened it's been 35 years since that happened so i mean really like, years what yeah we yeah exactly 89 years since uh since one more day it's the happened. most like irredeemable thing marvel has ever done it uh, egregious yes no no it is second you know what number one is okay number one was one moment in time no carol danvers giving birth to her own rapist Oh yeah, that was that was pretty oh, bad. What? That's up there. Yeah. Why did they do that? <laughs> yeah. What man wrote that? <laughs> um, really? Wait, wait, really? Wait, wait. Back up. You back, up back up. Back up. You don't. You don't know this story, dude. Avengers no. two hundred, right? Yeah. In Avengers yeah. two. In Avengers two hundred, uh, Carol Danvers gets brainwashed uh, by this guy, and I don't know the full story behind it. All I know is that I think he dies, and then. Before he does, she she gets impregnated by him, and it it's actually like an implantation, and she winds up then giving birth to him, and in the process, she's like brainwashed into believing that she, that that that's her one true love, and the Avengers the just let this happen. Exactly, the Avengers just let her go off gallivanting with this guy, like bye, see you later, hey, have a great time, and afterwards, like. I don't think it really gets addressed for at least another like five years after that. But Carol comes back and like, you guys are supposed to be my friends and you let this happen to me. What the fuck? Hey, it's the seventies, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone was giving giving birth to their own rapist every single day. <laughs> I, well. Okay, that needs to be on Marvel's masthead. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> By anonymous. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, R- Brandon, what, what's your what's your what's your thoughts on Spidey at the moment, and uh, and uh, are you looking forward to Nick Spencer? Uh, I hope it'll be good. Maybe I'll can start reading Spider Man again because I was kind of done with Slot after Superior. I yeah. know people love Superior, mm-hmm. it's not for me, and it kind of took me away from the character. Fair Ooh. enough. Yeah, fair enough. I like Spider Island a lot too. That was, that yeah, was... I, I love Spider Island. I love what he did with the characters there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, it kind of redeemed it, but it was still bad taste in the mouth after Superior Spider Man. Where it just I'm like this is not who I wanted. This is not the character I wanted, and it just well, literally it wasn't. <laughs> well, no, not, not even that. I mean, like I could deal with the Spider Man being body swaps per se, but I just don't like like almost like how they try to just change Peter for the sake of, of changing him. I know he's going through some arbitrary changes before, um, especially after uh, what's it called after um, Heroes Were Born, uh, where he's like one of the five heroes left on this on the island, and then they did that whole reboot back in the two thousands, and they gave him a whole new status quo with a new job. And it's I I like my Peter as like a guy, and I don't need him, you know, being so guy. If you know what I mean? 
Yeah. My favorite story that Slot did was a uh, like No One Dies with Massacre. I thought that was actually really compelling. Yeah. Uh, but but after that, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to be too long for this, but like it was just too like goofy. Like, oh, he never does anything right, and it's like. You know, Ultimate Spider-Man, he was pretty serious, and JMS, mm-hmm. he was pretty serious, and like, I, I don't need him. I don't need this to be like a slapstick comedy. J- JMS had his own issues, frankly. Uh, JMS has run. <laughs> JMS has runs where he starts off interesting and then meanders, and uh-huh. uh, I, I, I'm just gonna say that for the most part, I enjoyed Dan Slott's run. I'm very curious what his Iron Man is going to look like. Because it, this is not his first time writing the character, um, he wrote him a little bit when he was writing Mighty Avengers uh, back back in the day, and uh, obviously some of the stuff in uh, Avengers: The Initiative. But times have very much changed for the character of Iron Man, and i i hope I hope that he he knows how to keep him grounded while at the same time making him scientific and and techno technologically driven. You know, do you I, think that the first arc of Tony Stark Iron Man by Dan Slott will be Iron Man getting me too'd. <laughs> oh, uh, no. Oh, oh, God. Think about it. He's going to have a sexual reckoning from all the ladies he's convinced into having sex with. He's convinced? Did he, did he market it himself? Uh, no, it, no. If it's going to happen to anybody, it's going to happen to Star Fox. That's what I'm saying. I, I think that would be a really interesting... They they already Sorry. they already did Star Fox and mind you it was Dan Slott it was in She Hulk's run where yeah where, oh yeah, yeah <laughs> he got sued he was sued for it yes yes Damn. exactly oh my god no could you imagine Pepper Potts suing Iron uh, Tony Stark in the pages of Iron Man for workforce oh harassment don't like, make her look horrible because because like she's such a she's presumably a strong character why wouldn't she speak up before it's not like Tony Stark owns a film industry or anything like that. Uh, that we know of. Oh, it doesn't have to be the film industry. <laughs> oh, actually, no. No, even better. No, it can be the film industry. Let's get that guy who played Tony Stark in the movie, the one that was in The Order. Oh, hey, leave him alone. <laughs> that was a great book. It was a great book. Oh, my God, y'all, I'm fighting a bear. That was the only book other than The Initiative that took The Initiative seriously. Uh... Oh God! <laughs> no, the, uh, the, the that was a that was a fantastic book, and Matt Fraction left it to write Iron Man. Oh, he did a great job. Or- yep. Left it or got canceled. <laughs> left it, left it. He uh, he actually uh, from from what I've heard, he was offered Iron Man and decided to end the book. That that's 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 what I've heard. Might Eleven have been issues though. Eleven freaking issues though. I, I know, I know. And you know what? One more when he killed him. You know what, Brandon? It had the champion's curse. That's why. Book was gonna be called Champions, but because that stupid toy deal was going on at the time, Marvel couldn't have a uh, a book out there called Champions because somebody was disputing the copyright. They all had seeds on their chest and the first couple issues they had to digitally change them to the O's. Yep. Yep. For the order. <laughs> the order, the- which doesn't sound like a like a uh, benevolent superhero team at all. Sounds yeah. like a evil superhero team. And, and, and since, since yeah, I was the order here, we're going to establish order and law. Yeah. Yeah, and, and yeah, because the last order was essentially a supervillain team. It was when the defenders went all crazy. That that's the first time the order was in uh, was in Marvel. With with name with Namor and and Silver Surfer as sort of like rulers of the world, 
I'm the only one that remembers that, apparently. Never read it. <laughs> um, it, it. Since we brought up Matt Fraction, by the way, uh, Chip, Chip Zdarsky signing a, uh, an exclusive deal with Marvel, which basically just means he can't work for DC, so I'm sure he'll probably continue his image work. But uh, I, I foresee Fantastic Four coming back, and he's either going to be mm-hmm. on art or the writing. Because uh, he's he's currently writing two in one, uh, and Thing and Human Torch show up in that, and I I think the timing is right, especially with Zdarsky getting getting exclusive like this. Uh, I, it, it's about time. Uh, so you mean as if um, maybe Marvel Studios may have purchased a uh, film franchise that is fantastic and has four people in it? No idea. Can actually keep books into. I haven't purchased it yet. Yeah, yeah. Stop being such a fox, Brandon. Come on. Oh. Yeah, Feige's really, really like, kind of like him being hauling about the future of the MCU with the FF in it. He's well, like, I had a plan uh, and you're ruining it. Well, yeah, he's got a plan, but here's the thing. It has to be approved by the government because, you know, antitrust laws are such a thing. Yeah, I know. Yeah, in this administration, it'll go through. Uh, probably. And then, and then next up, uh, everybody gets bought by Apple. The end. Or Amazon. <laughs> or Amazon, yeah. Oh my god, could you imagine like Amazon Disney? No. Uh, no. Uh, no, because I'll, I'll be in Apple Universal. Uh, Apple, oh god. Actually, Apple NBC Universal. Oh Jesus. Well but but that's that's what's been floated about recently though, is that uh if if this uh if this merger with uh if, if memory serves, yeah, if this merger with with uh, AT and T falls through, um for Time Warner, that Time Warner's assets are going to be sold off, including DC, and that yeah, Apple and, that, that, and yeah. that Apple's been thinking about buying them. Disney should just buy it too. Yeah. <laughs> a movie version of DC versus Marvel. Oh no! You can get an amalgam universe Netflix show. Spider Boy. Wait, 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 wait! Quick question. Quick Long question. Claw. Quick question. <laughs> Who in the Marvel Universe is named Martha? We gotta know. We gotta know. Oh, they're, they're all both. Thanos, both Thanos and Iron Man's uh, moms. Oh, okay. Maria! Why you say that name Maria? Who's Maria to you? <laughs> There's this girl named Maria. Alright, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I promise you, Maria won't die tonight. She's already dead. What? Who did it? It was Bucky. No! Ian, you're... You're watching um, the Punisher series, right? I just yeah, I just started it. I'm four episodes in so far, and uh, I uh, I'm a little uncomfortable. That's uh, uncomfortable, meaning you like it or don't like it. I it's about the bitch about it. Watch out. <laughs> so I I like it, but wait wait. So I like wasn't Jessica Jones uncomfortable or like okay just uncomfortable okay. Let's put it this way. Um, I love John Wick. And John Wick works because it doesn't take itself 100% seriously with the headshots. And I was not entirely expecting as many headshots as I got in the first, like, 15 minutes of this fucking show. (laughs) Yeah, but that's all you got for five episodes. There's a couple more. There's a couple more. I and, and no, mm. I I'm enjoying it. Don't get me wrong. I am actually legitimately enjoying it. Uh, episode right. episode four was was really good. Um, it 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 set the stage nicely. Um, I'm liking Microchip 
way more than I ever liked him in the Spider-Man the Animated Series. Yeah. Well, it's because he's got a hot wife and Frank hits on her. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, because Spider-Man the Animated Series, he had the exact same storyline. <laughs> so, for anyone who hasn't watched the Punisher series, I recommend this version. Watch the first four episodes. Yeah. Stop. Watch the last uh, two or three, depending on how well you like the first four, and you're good to go. Well, I'm sorry, Brent, but I'm a completist, and I'm going to watch the whole thing. I know, I know, but I'm not going to spoil anything, but literally the next five to six episodes from where you are Uh are Frank and Microchip arguing about his Microchip's wife and staring at her on the computer screen for five episodes straight. And furiously masturbating. Oh, wow. (laughs) Okay, no, he doesn't do that. But But basically. (laughs) Like a werewolf. Like a, like a werewolf. Uh, I, I, yeah, if you go into the show wanting the Punisher, you might end up calling it Family Man. That being said, you mean, it's a you mean, damn good if show. If you go into the show called The Punisher, expecting people to be punished, yeah, maybe maybe once per every episode. Well, I mean the way the way that episode four ends with the uh, with the cop, um, you know, getting in the line of fire the way that the way that she does, Donnie. yeah. Um, that was, that was really good. And now apparently I'm going to hate episode five. So I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to look forward to that and, and we'll I mean, see how it turns out. I don't think you'll hate it. It's just, I was, I was watching the Punisher. I was trying to like, it so hard, but I was like, there is a significant lack of punishing per episode where like Luke Cage, Luke, what does Luke Cage do? Mm-hmm. He's a badass. Yeah. He looks great. He says cool things and he punches some people. What did Luke Cage do every episode? Was a badass, looks great, says cool things, punches people every episode. Daredevil, blind, beats up people. What did Daredevil do every every episode? Blind, beat up a lot of people. Punisher, what does he do? Kills bad motherfuckers. What does Punisher do every episode? Talk to Microchip's wife. Stare at her on computer screens. Hold on, <laughs> hold on, Brent. You forgot he also eat, eats eggs and it gets called a hipster, okay? Yeah, yeah, whatever. Uh, yeah, you, I think Punisher's totally skippable. I will, I, I, I will, I will repeat that, like, it is a surprising amount, a, a surprising dearth of punishing. Yeah. That being said, it is a brilliant character-driven show, and yes. it's better than the last couple of Netflix shows have been. And that's what I'm, I'm started Jessica Jones. That's what I'm appreciating so far, is that it's a it's a believable portrayal of PTSD all across the board, both for the characters in it and for Frank himself. Uh, I legitimately, like, I, I wrestling popped when I heard the words, Welcome Back Frank, at the end of that first episode. Yeah. The, the pilot's the best episode so far. That's There's no question about it. And, and the pilot and the last one are the best episodes. Okay. Yeah, him versus Jigsaw is pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, good. I have Jigsaw to look forward to. That that I'm that I'm happy. To hear. Well, I mean that's that's the character. Uh, that's that's no, no, no. No, I know, but I, I mean I didn't know whether he was going to show up in the first uh, in the first uh, season or not because you know we didn't get Bullseye yet in Deadpool and I mean sorry in Daredevil. Although that'd be cool they if he showed up in, Dead, in Deadpool. Do Bullseye season three? I swear to God, yeah. they have nowhere else to go. Uh, but Brandon, have you watched any of it? Uh, Punisher. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm behind. I'm, I'm waiting. I'm going to kill Jessica Jones. Well, that's a 
bad phrase for that one. I'm going to finish <laughs> Jessica Jones first. Okay. So, and then do Punisher. So Jessica. out of out of out of everybody on the call, I think you might be the only one who's watched Jessica Jones so far, or at least parts of it. Yeah, I don't, I don't, well, no, no, I actually have to start it tomorrow. Oh, you got to start it tomorrow. Okay. All right. Cool. Yeah, okay. All right. I haven't off. started it yet. All right, then. Then no, nobody on this call has started it yet, so there won't be any spoiling of any sort on that. It's just I... All I know is that it seems like the Marvel Netflix show's budget keeps going down as they produce a season of sh- uh, a show. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not going down per season of a particular show. It's just every time a new season of a Marvel Netflix show comes out, it seems like the budget's going down, and it gets longer. <laughs> I mean, it seems like they ran out of squid budget in The Punisher, and that's why nobody gets shot. Oh, God. For six episodes. They went to a CGI, like Ninja Assassin. They all went to Iron Fist's glowing fist that only showed up in, you know, three episodes of The Defenders and two episodes of his own show. Wait, Iron, oh, hold on, hold on, back up. Iron Fist had his own show? <laughs> yeah, um, but apparently he's a, he's a mortal. And, um, yeah, you, you, must not have, you must not have watched it because you uh, everybody wanted him to be an Asian guy. <laughs> they didn't go that route. No, no, I, I didn't did. watch it because it's fucking blue. Yeah, exactly. No, no, Brent, I did watch it, and it was completely forgettable. No, I know it you was, watched it. I was being it was sarcastic. Garbage. I know you were, and I was being realistic. Somewhere, Raph is listening and getting mad all over again. Oh God, as you should. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, I. Uh, it's not. Raph, co- calm down. We it, love it's, you, buddy. It's we not. You. It's not comic related, but I need to bring up two things real quick. Um, uh, I. I highly appreciate the fact that in three billboards, uh, the uh, uh, you can you can ugh as much as you want. I enjoyed the movie, and and I and I you can ugh as much as you want, but I enjoyed the movie. Anyway, I think he is. yeah, I know. <laughs> as as I continue here, um, I appreciate that Sam Rockwell, Sam Rockwell's character read uh, uh, Incorruptible. By Mark Wade and had a T-shirt for uh, for as much as such on his uh, on his uh, on himself at multiple times throughout the movie, so that was cool. I did notice that. Yeah, um, and uh, that's the only thing I liked about it. And and the fact that now we can say that Justin Hammer is an Oscar winner. So that's there's also that. Um, if your girlfriend wants to watch Three Billboards, that is just say okay. And you can take a nap during the three billboards. I I saw it. That's about as much as I got out of it. I saw it and I enjoyed it. So that's that's you know uh, our our differing tastes on display right movie. there. What's up, Donovan? I, I I've not seen it. I heard it's a pretty brutal film. It is it is a brutal film. Yes. Um. Uh, go into it knowing this. There's some people out there that believe that there's a, any sort of redemption in this movie, and I. 100% disagree with that. Um, oh, there's not. Uh, exactly. I don't. Sam Rockwell's character was a mean guy, and then he turns into a little bit less of a mean guy. Right. And they go... Sam, the way that they ended that movie, I was like, okay, this is a complete waste of time. The same thing as Ninja Turtles. He's a mean guy, and then at the end, he's not a mean guy. What? The, Ninja Turtles? Really? <laughs> he, he's the, the first Ninja Turtles. The original one, really? Really? Yeah, there's really? been six movies. you got to say which one. Casey Jones <laughs> says, this is your family. You call this family? And then, like, you know, Sam Rockwell looks sad and talks to the police. It's, <laughs> it's the exact same as... Chicago PD, Casey Jones, or the guy on Arrow, Casey Jones? Uh, no, like, 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 like the OG... Elias, Elias Coteus. Yeah. yeah. Elias Coteus on Chicago PD with a badass beard. Is he really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Hell yeah. And and the original April O'Neil is still on the uh on the one hundred last I checked. Hey, should we go, really? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yep, the original awesome. the original uh, movie April O'Neil is uh, plays uh, the mother of one of the uh, girls on uh, on the one hundred. I'm sorry for derailing us as well. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. I'll, I'll, I, but uh, going back to what I was saying though is that it's uh, it, there's really no redemption in the movie for me. It, it's just a sometimes there are horrible people out there, and even your protagonist. Is is a horrible person who's had tragedy done done to her, um, and sometimes horrible people do good things, and sometimes good th- good people do horrible things. That's basically what Three Billboards is. So that's that that's that's the way I describe it. There's absolutely no redemption in this movie whatsoever. Go into it knowing the fact that you're going to see some really fucked up shit, and you might not like any of the characters, or you might relate to a few of them. It it all depends on which way you roll. Um, Just take a nap. Yep. And the other thing I wanted to mention is that everything sucks on Netflix. <laughs> Sit down and watch it. Hey, Netflix has some good stuff on there. Come on. They do. They yeah, do. Yeah, like Bright. Yeah, everything sucks on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> and I haven't watched Brandon. it yet. Okay. I haven't watched it yet. No. I'm talking about the Fairy show. Fairy lives don't matter. <laughs> I'm showing. I'm talking about the show. Everything sucks. I'm not saying that everything sucks on Netflix. Okay. Oh, I, oh <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> To go ham. Is that the cartoon? <laughs> no, it's not. It's it's a it's the show about the '90s that they did uh, about a high school in in uh, boring Oregon. That's the actual name of the town, and uh, and it's all about the uh, the uh, the film crew and the drama uh, crew, sort of having like a I guess a little bit of a tussle. And then they decide to make a movie together, and it, it, it it's it's absolutely a 90s kid show uh to the point where like i mean these these people are technically i think two years older than me <laughs> because they're they're freshmen in 96 so i i 100 uh, appreciate all the references they throw in there and it feels genuine it's sort of a little bit like degrassi but it uh it works and it's a half hour show so it's really easy to get through so mm. give, give it give it a watch if you haven't yet while we're talking about acting yes character arcs Mm-hmm. And then we'll transition to Black Panther because that had character arcs. Uh, I saw a lot of movies that were nominated for Oscars this year that I felt like didn't have character arcs and much less felt like actors doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. So I saw Woody Harrelson get nominated for three billboards. I watched the movie. What was it? It was Woody Harrelson being Woody Harrelson and basically the same guy from The Hunger Games, just less drunk. <laughs> didn't see an arc. Gary Oldman, under a bunch of makeup for Darkest Hour, doing Winston Churchill, won for Best Actor. Yeah. Was basically Gary Oldman doing Commissioner Gordon and the guy from Fifth Element at the same time, under a bunch of makeup. Didn't really see it art. <laughs> there was a mathematic distillation in, in that performance to you? Yeah. <laughs> I think so. And, and John Lithgow uh, apparently plays a much better Churchill than he does on, on The Crown. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. But what I did see a character... The better performance I thought this year was Denzel Washington in Roman J. Israel Esquire. Mm-hmm. That was truly Denzel Washington doing something he's not done in a long time or before, which is play somebody that doesn't yell a long monologue. <laughs> and he's like a little bit autistic and quiet and silent, mm-hmm. very nuanced performance as opposed to the all out training day type stuff he's done in the last. You know, ten years or yeah, whatever. But, but I also heard the movie. The rest of the movie is only so-so. Yes, exactly. 
Is the movie what? I said. I said that from what I've heard, the mo- the movie itself is only so so outside of his acting. Mm-hmm. I, I liked it. It's it's a character study. Mm. It's way more of a character study than Three Billboards is on any of their characters. Yeah. And it's truly about a man who changes, not necessarily for the better. Call Me By Your Name is a, is a really good character study of uh, a Batman hitting on Robin. I think that that, that worked really really well. Yeah, I'm not interested in uh, child pornography. So. It's, it's, not, it's not child pornography, 17. Isn't the kid like 16 or 17 and the guy's like 30? He's, he's 17. The, uh, the actor is supposed to be, uh, at least the character is supposed to be like 22. So it's questionable, but uh, but yeah. Uh, I'm just not interested in questionable sexuality. Let's put it yeah. that way. Sorry. <laughs> it, it, it is, it, we have to know the answers, damn it. But they're definitely questioning their sexuality because it's all about uh, you know to a, a gay relationship. But I, I would say that yeah. uh, it's it's that's okay. It's um, I'm sure my brother enjoyed it very much. It's mm-hmm. not something I want to watch. That's yeah. fine. That's a, it, it was a very it was a very good movie. Army Hammer should be Bat- should be Batman already. All right, but anyway, continue on on what you were saying. Okay, so now let's talk about characters that did have arcs, which was like every damn character in Black Panther except Black Panther. Roll into the Black Panther. Whoa, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm a, I, Actually, you know what? He's not wrong, though, for one. No, he's, so he, he, he's, he's, he's fire like me in I London, never and listen freeze. to Mark Bernardin on Fat Man on Batman, or just follow yep. him on Twitter. He's a writer, uh, worked for Playboy and um, LA Times. He was was is writing a couple episodes or an episode, but on the team for the Hulu Castle Rock show. Very, very smart guy. Um, oh, go listen to that shock. podcast. He's awesome. He makes an excellent point how, like, well, T'Challa has no want, no desire in Black Panther. He's just kind of, like, wants to keep things status quo. He starts out as king. He ends as king. Everybody else has an arc. That is such bullshit. That is no, such a not. hot take. No, no that's, that, that's, that is such a drive-by criticism, online hot takeism. And no, I, I, no, 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 no. He's okay. You you have to listen to it. I'm not doing it justice. Maybe Brandon can add some depth to it. Justice League doesn't do right. justice either. Oh, okay, okay, fine, uh, fine. Right. Oh, oh. <laughs> all right. So what? But all right. So in essence, Brent distilled it down to the to the most salient point that is that everybody has an arc to overcome in this. And that T'Challa really doesn't, and it's it's simple. It's simplified to some degree that T'Challa does have wants. He wants to, like Brent said, maintain status quo. Uh, but that doesn't make it an arc, though. I, I believe what Mark is trying to say is that you know every character outshines Black Panther in this movie. You, you have Okoye who outshines him. She she even she even has an arc within like five minutes of a scene at the very end. Um, Nakia has an arc from a character. Uh, Shuri has an arc from a character. Even his mother has an arc from a character. Killmonger has. What was Nakia's arc? Mbaku. Mbaku has an arc. Nakia's arc really is um, acceptance. Really, um, she is the one. <laughs> no, no, All she's right. running away. Nakia is running away from representing her people. When you meet her in the beginning of the movie, she's a spy. She's out there in the world trying to do good. But she doesn't really want to accept that she needs to be a part of the kingdom and part of the, the ruling class, as it were, and, and take her rightful place as the the new leader of the River Tribe, I think she's part of, the Green Guys. Yeah. Um, the Ninja Turtle totally, Tribe, I don't know, whichever you want to call them. But uh, she realizes totally over the course of the film that well, T'Challa needs her and Wakanda needs her. 
for stability in Wakanda. So that's her arc is like realizing she's been running away from home her entire life or the last, you know, five, ten years and needs to come back home. I'd also say that Donovan, uh, Nakia's arc is uh, a less radical version of Killmonger's arc. The fact right, that yes. the, the fact that Nikia, okay, no, you're right, you're yeah, right. Yeah, that the, is, you guys are you guys are correct on that. I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. Yeah, the the fact the fact that uh, you know she she is all about outreach. She's all about helping people, and when the movie begins, that is not what Wakanda is about, and neither is is it what T'Challa is about. You know, he's he's all about you know getting Wakanda going as as him as king and continuing their stance of essentially being Switzerland, you know, being neutral and not, and not, you know, uh, you know, allowing their technology nor their influence outside of their own borders. And that's not what Nakia wants, but she's just not nearly as radical about it as Killmonger is. Right. And I, I think also T'Challa, um, symbolizes something that's very problematic in a lot of black cultures is that it's the whole not in my backyard mentality, or it's the idea that we've come so far, we've overcome so much, we've overcome so much, and we've just accepted the status quo. So yeah. when things happen, oh, it's not happening to us, it's not happening to me, but I still feel bad about it to some degree. I, I'm not going to really do anything about it, or I'm not really going to try to change a lot of a, a lot about things. And uh, I, I, no, I, I, I agree. I agree with that, but. The main thing that that I want to say about this movie, and I'm, you, you can go back to, to saying what you were saying after after this, Brandon and, and Donovan, I definitely want your take on it, is that for the first time in a very, very long time for a Marvel movie, and honestly for a superhero movie in general, I was way more interested in the world itself that was being built in front of me and the side characters than I was the main star. It's not necessarily it's not necessarily a bad thing for T'Challa because I do believe he does have an arc in this movie. I that that I will flat out disagree with with the fact that he doesn't have an arc because he does, and I, and I'll get into why uh, you know when we get a little bit further into this. It's just mainly that every other character in this is so goddamn compelling. Eric yes. Eric Killmonger, Michael B. Jordan, amazing job. Nakia, very fascinating character to me. Okoye, strong. Powerful, determined, she was such a the best. Oh my gosh, she was a beast. Fantastic. Uh, even Martin Freeman's, uh, you know, Ever K. Ross was a a very unique take on that character. And at the same time, I thought they were going to go to the direction that they were going to go with Steve Rogers and Steve Trevor, and they didn't. And that made me really freaking happy. And of course, the breakout star of this entire damn thing, Mbaku. Com- I thought you say Shuri. Uh, yeah, okay, no, Shuri, Shuri's Shuri great. Too. Shuri's great. She's my second favorite. But Umbaku is the man. Period. Like this is this is a guy who I, I I didn't know before this movie. Went you know Winston Duke, and even in the few scenes that he has, like <laughs> we're vegetarians. You know, I, I just so awesome. Completely stole the show for me in so many different ways, and. And yeah, the world and and the side characters are so much more fleshed out here than they are in pretty much any other Marvel movie that I can think of. Uh, like Guardians of the Galaxy probably comes second second closest, but it engrossed me beyond belief, and I was so interested in where it was going. And T'Challa, I knew already because of the setup in Civil War, 
mm-hmm. and I knew where he's gonna wi- where he was gonna wind up at the end of the movie because there was no way in right. hell we were gonna end this movie without T'Challa as king of Wakanda. You know that much was set in stone. It was the what, what was gonna happen in between. Yeah, exactly. It was it was what was gonna happen in between that was that was up for debate, and I was satisfied with that. But it was everybody else in this movie that sold the show for me. Yep, agreed. Yeah. Yes. Which order are we going to go in in terms of like uh, our our own talking points? Uh, dude, I mean, whatever you want to hit on, uh, be be my guest. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, we, I mean, it, <laughs> w- w- if you want to rebut a little bit on on what uh, on what Brent was just saying, you know, go right ahead, and uh, and also just let me know about what you thought about the movie in general, man. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I, mean, I don't want to like like turn our Black Panther discussion into was a Mark Bernard Wright discussion because that's <laughs> that is a little bit of a no definitely uh, misappropriation. Not. No, uh, but I do. I, Redactive, not really misappropriation. I mean, I mean, I definitely want to have uh, kind of give kind of clap back on that, but like, and you know, I, I, I was anxious to, I was not anxious, I was eager to talk about this because I did it, you know, I do a comic film review podcast, but I felt that there was so much we didn't get to say about the Black Panther film in mm-hmm. that that I was looking forward to kind of talking in here in terms of like the themes and stuff. Definitely. Um, so I'll kind of open up with like how I thought, you know, generally the movie and then kind of get into that uh, T'Challa thing. I mean, I saw it uh, the second time this week in 3D, and I was walking out with my brother. And the second viewings of Marvel films really helped me out a lot, especially with Spider-Man: Homecoming. But like, this is this is one of the best Marvel films. And I know everyone says that, like every every other Marvel film, like oh, it's one of the best. This is like a top three Marvel film in terms of like it sets itself up so well on its own that it doesn't require the MCU to carry its value or, or interest. Um, Wakanda is the best part of this film in terms of how well it's realized. Uh, I had tears in my eyes both times when they when you first see it and you hear like the music in the background and like kind of the the swelling vistas of um, Africa and like the way that they kind of incorporate the language and the realistic uh, wardrobe and all the colors and especially it seems like Warriors Falls. I mean, it was so well. It was so real. You know, without without you know douchebags saying, "Oh, you think Wakanda's real or whatever," but like, um, uh, I, I what I liked about this, I mean, I enjoyed all the Marvel. I enjoyed every Marvel film, honestly. Like, like even, I mean, five years ago, you know, I, I didn't like Iron Man three, but it's a good movie. Uh, but uh, I like this. I like this movie more than every Marvel film that came out in twenty seventeen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like those movies, but like, uh, this was this was like. It had a lot to say. the The acting was top notch. I mean, Sterling K. Brown like, yes. just made me weep. Oh, his! But by the way, his turn on SNL uh, this past Saturday was dynamite. I've seen some of it. I've seen all of it. Yeah, really good. Uh, he, he's one of my favorite actors right now. I I, I freaking loved him in uh, as Chris Darden in uh, The People vs. O.J. Simpson. Yes. Where the but, hell um, did he come from? He was on this. He's been around. He's been around for years. He showed up on This Is Us, and he showed up on. Uh, the O.J. Simpson thing. I've never seen that guy before. I was like, where the hell is this guy for the last 10 years? Uh, he's been around for years. He's always been in the background. That's he, why. He was on, pers- he was on Person of Interest uh, and, and Army Wives for years. Um, so, so he was... And he was on Supernatural, which I completely forgot about. He played, he played Gordon Walker on Supernatural from uh, 2006 oh, yeah. to 2007. Um, which was I, like once I just looked it up on IMDb, I'm like, oh yeah, right, shit, I completely forgot about that. But he started off his career on Third Watch uh, 
for 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 three for three years. Yep, two thousand two to two thousand four. Other than that, it was like a guest star on uh, on a Tarzan TV series, and uh, (laughs) the the WB one from Oh God. Yep. And uh, ER and NYPD Blue, he had guest appearances, and then he was a regular on Third Watch, and that's where he started off. Get paid, black man. Get paid. Yes. (laughs) Um, but but like you know, I mean like. Again, I mean this 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 had a lot to I mean this is a solid solo film and it it just it just felt like everyone cared into making that rather than just kind of another chapter. There wasn't you know, there wasn't any sort of like uh inopportunistic, you know, humor or whatever. There wasn't any you know, dumbass, you know, forced core humor shit like, oh oh no, Zuri's dead. Oh well, oh like, like none of that bullshit where it's like they're they're begging for people to like them so they can make humor. It's like they were confident in their own storytelling to really make everything work. Like the characters, Killmonger for God's sake, Andy Circus, like chewing the scenery like like it's his last meal. Yes, you know, like, like what is what is this a funeral? Put on the music. Like it's, it's just just awesome. He was so much better in this than he was uh, the first time around uh, in in Age of Ultron. Uh, I mean, mind you, I he had, it was the same, but like he had more to do. But, I think. Yeah, well, it, it allowed his his personality to come out so much more. Like he he was wild, he was unhinged, and it just it it all wound up working so perfectly uh, to sort of create a character we had no idea where he was going, and that's what made him so dangerous. He, he was a lot of fun, and I think that like I mean the whole, I mean the Killmonger thing. I mean I mean. I think in terms of you know, the best villain, I, I I think mathematically Loki's really entertaining, but like uh, the conviction in Michael B. Jordan's eyes and just just like uh, you know him like I've, I've killed people you know in, in Afghanistan, Iraq, I've killed my own, I've killed people on this very continent, all that death to kill you like that's a super villain line that has a lot of like heart to it because you. He says it like well, kind of over the top, but you know he genuinely means it. Yeah. Um, there, I mean, I could go on. I know you guys are going to go on. There's so much to this. Um, I mean, I will say that like because the benefit of having seen T'Challa in Civil War, there's at least an idea of what we're going to get from him uh, in this film, and there are so many strong characters. I think it's and I, and I saw I saw I saw you Brent standing on a uh, 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 Bernard on Twitter. Say, oh, you know, I see. I see. Had a reason, you know, not to just automatically love it, which is, which you know, I'm, I'm kind of making fun about it, but like, I think that it's fair to say that uh, there were so many new characters, and the, and the villain was so compelling that you, your favorite character wasn't T'Challa. It's I don't I don't I I, I, I don't think I, anybody's favorite character is T'Challa, and it's not to say I'm not trying to knock the movie down. It's a great film. I love it, um, but I think there is a problem if they're going to continue the series called Black Panther, where the main character is not the, everyone's, most people's favorite character. Well, you're, 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 pres- oh, yeah, that's, that's the now, thing. Right there. Okay. actors, and I, I get it, they did that for a reason. It's done, it's made a billion dollars in the, at the box office. Just, they, they need to find him something to do. So, well, okay, okay, well, well, well that's that right there. He's great in, uh, the James Brown movie. I haven't seen Marshall, but he's one of my favorite actors. Chadwick Boseman is going right now, but, uh, he needs, he needs something to do. Well, right, right, you're presenting this as like a gigantic warning sign that like that that, is, that presents the Black Panther franchise as this big hurdle they got to get across, and I think that's no, way overstepping it. 
Okay, like, so, like that's that's way overstepping yeah. to make it like a talking point. Like you, he's, he needs something to do, like as if he had nothing to do in the film. Like, are you really saying that? Okay, Brent, well, he, Brent, he had to Brent. overtake his throne. I'm not saying he had nothing to do, but he wasn't as compelling as the other characters that we met for Brent, the first time. Brent, I have one word for you, Thor, white person, Thor. Okay, yes. the the first two Thor movies. Can you tell me that Thor was the most compelling character? I can tell no. you after watching the first two Thor movies recently that Loki is not a great villain. The villain everybody likes, the Loki version, is him getting beat up by Hulk, not really doing any acting in Avengers, and him being the smarmy guy in the Dark World, which is one of the worst Marvel films. So everybody's conflating those two things with Loki being compelling. He's not that compelling in the first Thor movie. He's not that villainous in the second one. He's not that compelling in Avengers. So I don't know where everybody gets. I, I will tell you right now that like villain stuff before before the tongue wagging over him in Avengers. I genuinely thought he was great in Thor Thor one when he was like yelling at Odin. But like yeah. I, 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 I really want to. I don't want to take up too much time. I really want to kind of combat this idea that like. You're talking about, you know, oh, Nakia had this character arc. She had to change her mind about, you know, accepting her place in Wakanda and all this stuff. And, that, and that's true. You're not, you're not wrong. But you're weighing that surprise of this new character against the, the actual character arc of Chachala. He's a king. He's, he's going to maintain the status quo. But he's presented with all these different perspectives that he, you see him wrestle with it so many times. You see, it wrestle, you see him wrestle with him, himself. You see it wrestle with when he's, when he's confronted by Wakabi, by Killmonger, by his own, you know, when he sees his father for the second time in the, the astral plane. There are scenes where you see his character develop. It's not this, you know, one time he's different, the other time he's not. And I think that when you're confusing, um, I enjoyed these new characters and I wasn't as clinging on to T'Challa because I've already met him with he had no character arc and he had nothing to do. That's not being precise with what, what the film's given you. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 that's just wrong. That's not, that's not what the film did. And I think that like by the, by the end of the film, when he chooses to bring Wakanda out into the world, especially going to Oakland, uh, California, like be, basically being his brother's keeper, that whole thematic content, you know, in and of itself, like especially going back to where his father failed at the very end, talking to children, you know, making sure that they're involved in their lives. Like that's the first thing they do in America. You can't tell me that he has no character arc. That's just like, like, why would you say that? And of course, I'm, talk- I'm talking to Mark Bernard and not really you. <laughs> well, I, I think also is that he is very reactionary. He's not very proactive in this movie. Yeah, that, that was the main point that Bernard was making. He's more reactionary than proactive. I think also too. That- that's a feeling of the character from uh, being translated to the film. The comic book T'Challa is a very level-headed, very cool character, and conniving. I think he does conniving. Yes, I mean he's he like is, he's planning like Batman half the time. Right, but it, it, he's planning all the time. But we don't really ever have to see him plan it. We know that he has a plan. And I think the problem with the film is that it, we're establishing that T'Challa, but we're not really seeing him get to. He that. planned on how to beat Killmonger. He didn't beat him. He said, "Hey, well, sure, we take off the the man, the, the man things." Yeah, he no, he didn't plan it out. That was happenstance. He happened to. No, he said, "Do that right now." No, that was the last minute. Nah. Like he, he didn't he didn't plan to fight him in the tunnels. He, he didn't, he didn't plan, plan to, to lose every time he was in the waterfall without his powers. What the hell, man? Right. Okay, okay. pretty okay. much almost beat him senseless. Killmonger this, this, definitely did. This is, but this is supposed to be like him ascending to the, the, the throne of king. He's not a seasoned king, Black Panther from like twenty years of the comics. Are right. we not going exactly. to give that consensus that this is essentially an origin? 
I'm just saying he wasn't very compelling because he lost most of the battles on the waterfall. He lost one out of two. No, go watch yes. that Mbaku fight again. He loses most of that battle. But yep. he, he won the battle. That okay. is so... Okay, Brent, I, Brent, Brent, I'm calling you out on this shit. Like no, 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 Brent, Brent, he, Brent. No, 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 no. He, won, he lost most of it, but, but he still won. You score, if you're scoring it like UFC, like points per punch landed and stuff like that... He lost both. Yeah, uh, I'm not scoring it like like UFC. I'm scoring it on I'm who made who tap out. in combat by both those guys. Who That's made like who somebody tap out? Fight between Falcon and, and Winter Soldier when he kicked their asses until like something yanked him out the window. Yeah, I, I think oh, what, no. this is so I pedantic. But I think what happened was that T'Challa is a victim of his own hubris in the, in the films. Um, Really, he really does that in the second fight, and you almost see it in the first fight. He is struggling. No, he's confident to the point where he is knows he's going to win. He he is expected to win. And I think that is really what his downfall is. And I think that is a slight character. Don't scoff. I think it's a, it's a very valid point. It's a it's a slight. I'll say it's a very slight character because he he realizes that he cannot be overconfident. He realizes that he does need doubt. He knows that he does. He's going to make mistakes. And he, the first thing he says, he's not. He says he's not afraid to be king. That's the first thing he says to his father. He's not afraid to be king. He's afraid to be king without him. And I think he, as a character, he has been trained. He has been polished. He has been groomed to be king. So he really hasn't ever had to be challenged. So when he does get that challenge, he has that mentality of, yeah, I can overcome this. And when he actually does get that knocked down by Killmonger, that is what spurs his character growth. That is what makes him go forward. But again, he's very reactive as a character because he didn't proactively seek out change. Change had to come to him for him to adapt, and that's what we're saying. It's not okay, a knock okay. on the character. It's not a knock okay. on the character. It's not a, it's not a knock on the movie either. It's, it's just the character of the it's genre, it, it sounds like it is. <laughs> No, well, it's not. It's okay, not. so it that way. let me let me let me I put still it. Give this movie five stars out of five stars. Yeah, it doesn't mean I can't criticize. It. Let me let me put it a specific way, Donovan. That uh, that might work a little bit better for you because I I'm I'm hearing everything that they're saying right now, and I actually do agree that he was overconfident at first. I I actually do agree that with that, and I think that it took realizing that his own father was not perfect and that his father made some huge mistakes as king for him to understand that it is okay for him to realize that he has made mistakes and to then grow upon them and become a stronger individual because of it which Correct, yes. which which personally is I I think one of the main reasons why we even have the ending of the movie the way we do with the outreach center opening up in Oakland and him addressing the United Nations, because he is not only addressing his own failures, but also the failures of his own father, and realizing that he himself can become a better king than his father ever was if he allows himself to be. And to expand Wakanda even further than what it currently is, and possibly even make the entire world better. We would not have Avengers Infinity War set up the way it is at this specific moment without this movie because personally I don't I don't believe that we would see Wakanda on the front lines the way that from the looks of it we're going to be getting an infinity war without this movie and without the in the what what the decisions that uh 
that T'Challa makes in this. And frankly, the decisions that he makes in the future are all going to stem off of this movie. And I believe in the second movie, we will get a lot more of a thoughtful uh, planning T'Challa than we have in this because we will have a more uh, more established T'Challa. It's not mm-hmm. it's not giving him excuses for the way he acted in this movie. Personally, I believe <laughs> it's it's that he needed to get there, and by the end of the movie, he does get there. Uh, okay, I want to 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 address that because um, I, I, this is something I talked about with my brother. When we have this idea of the Black Panther, we have an idea of somebody who walks into the room very real. Like when he speaks, you listen. Like it's kind of an odd hush when the Black Panther comes in the room. Yeah, Christopher Priest. And, and I will say. I will say that like that that's the Black Panther that I do envision, and we don't get that in this film. Mm-hmm. But that's not. I feel as though that, that that's not um, that's a, a failure of expectation rather than what the story presents us. Sure, this whole idea, this whole idea of oh his storyline was was his was he is overconfident. I'm sorry, I don't. I feel that that's kind of coming up with a reason to critique it. His deal when he was fighting Killmonger was that he was dealing with who Killmonger was. He was dealing with learning what his father did he's dealing with you know a direct challenge to his king when he just became king that's what's in his head that's why he lost the fight as, as well as zuri dying that's what he has to deal with mentally it's not that he's overconfident because he's, he's still new at this the, i mean the whole mbaku fight is i'm sorry it's just i think that's just ridiculous that's not even the point of talking about but like if you're going to talk about how he's reactionary i mean i think you're kind of contending the very nature of plot progression and in conflict with like who she should be in the comics it's, it's the same thing as wonder woman because wonder woman is supposed to be like this very intelligent you know master fighter the same thing as black panther that is a difficult thing to write and portray especially when trying to set up certain things so i understand combating a vision of the character with how the script presents the character, but I don't think that equals, as a result of this film, a weakness of characterization in terms of his proactiveness or his or how he's reacting. I just I feel that there's a there's an expectation that wasn't met, and to justify that, we're bringing on these ideas of writing failures that don't apply based on the Joe Robert Cole and, and Ryan Coogler script. I, I I think that's what's going on personally. I didn't have any expectations going into this movie, so that definitely didn't apply to me. I heard it's a case. I kind of agreed with it. That's where we are. I'm not, try- I mean, I'm not trying to look for a way to criticize the film. I've said five minutes ago, it's a great fucking film. But you can still criticize the film if it's fucking great. Yeah. But the criticism doesn't have to make sense, though, is what I'm saying. You can criticize all you want, but that makes sense. They don't make sense to you, and that's okay. Yeah. It doesn't make them invalid. I mean, I mean, I mean, so Don- I mean Donovan, uh, uh, okay, here's a perfect example. There is criticism out there that I 100% do not agree with, that is, that Black Panther is an evil movie. And that, 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 was, that was a legitimate, like, a legitimate series of tweets from a film critic that he believed that the film of Black Panther was evil because uh, it sets up this perfect world where uh, all of the answers to everything that that's happening to black people are available out there in this magical land. Was that Armand White? I, it was not Armand White. In the White. form of drugs. No, 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 no. Trust me, Armand White would have said it much less more eloquent than this. Armand White is a piece of oh, shit. I, I know, what you, I know what you're talking about. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'll have, I'll have to actually look this up because there was a, there was an episode of the Slash Filmcast where they actually got this, uh, this specific guy on to, uh, to talk about his. Uh, um, his, his thoughts a little further, but basically that it uh, that it presents all these all these things, and then 
uh, winds up ending on black on black violence that that you know just just shits on everything that was that was being presented. Uh, Wesley Lee the third from Struggle Session is the, is the man that I'm talking about. Oh, uh, Struggle yeah. Session. Yeah, and uh, and yeah, he had a whole bunch of things that he was talking about that I didn't believe at all. <laughs> that I thought that I thought were absolutely completely looking too far into shit and was basically looking for reasons to have problems, but I listened to the episode, and I understood why he would think that, but it's certainly not going to change my mind on things. It's not going to change a bunch of other people's mind on it. I, I get where I get where this... I, I, I've already forgotten the name of the dude, but the, whoever was on Fat Man um, <clears throat> is, uh, is coming from, but I'm, I'm not really going to jive with that that much, and, you know, Brent might have the opinion on that as well, but whatever, he still liked the damn movie. You know, yeah, it, it, it's it's just funny that like every time I'm on the show, I'm always like the bad guy in a conversation. You're not, but, dude. Uh, <laughs> you're not the bad guy. We invite you because we like you. Exactly. No, I know. I, 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 I'm just I'm just messing around. But like, it's uh, I it's 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 an interesting talking point that I think I, I feel there's there's so much talk about this movie that it's 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 surprising that if this is this is the kind of the thunderbolt conversation right now. Well, no, I mean, I, I well, I think that's just the lead-off topic. Exactly. I mean, there's a lot we can talk about. In the oh, movie please. That I I think is amazing. Yeah. So um, let's yeah. here's a switching away from T'Challa, and I'm gonna sacrifice my wife at the altar for this one. So oh, we gosh. went to go see it. Now, a little background on my wife. She's a TV producer, Emmy-winning uh, TV producer, photographer. Uh, she works. Does a lot of corporate videos and stuff like that and recently she's had to do a bunch for a company where they had a bunch of diversity requirements like you want to talk about inclusion lighter they wanted the stuff as wacky as like an african-american uh guy that was also amputated in an arm and blind in one eye and the guy had to be a teacher too and want to be on screen and then show off his amputation like that that type of detail was in uh, what had to be in these videos. It was crazy. So she watched it, fell asleep during it, and basically called it Black Star Wars. She doesn't <laughs> like Star Wars. I've heard that before. <laughs> so she she basically zoned out because of uh, it was so futuristic and it wasn't really grounded. We spent the whole movie basically in Wakanda. So I can understand that criticism. I don't agree with it. But I can understand how if she doesn't like the sci-fi-ness of Star Wars... She saw most of that in this Marvel movie. She didn't like that. Not to mention there's no other, like, there's no Captain America cameo to, to pull her back in or anything like that, right? Like you had with Spider-Man by bringing in Iron Man and something like that. Thor had uh, Hulk bring in. She also said that she thought it was too many shots of um, just, like, every showcasing too much African culture, I guess was her main criticism. Because her producer mind was going off on the checklist that she had for her, this other job and seeing the similarities of like, okay, here's a checklist for uh, the Jabari tribe. Here's a che- checklist for the, the border tribe. Here's a checklist for uh, the culture with the neck enlargement. Here's a c- checklist for the culture with the uh, the lip plates and stuff like that. So her mind just checked out like that because she turned her on her producer brain. And I told her she was wrong and needs to go in there and turn it off. <laughs> but there are people that didn't like this movie, mainly my wife. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> so 
there you go. Uh, it, it, it's so okay. It's have okay. Problems, have problems with that? Not because I think T'Challa was a little, uh, little overconfident and, and flat. Your 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 wife and Armand White. That's it. That's those, those are the those are the two people that I can think. Well, there are there are people that like when the trailer came out. You yeah. know, like why they gotta play be playing rap music? Why they gotta have their their, their brother and sister handshake? And it's like, well, you yeah. must have hated it in Spider Man when Peter and Gonky did it, or you must have hated the rock music of Thor. It's like right. that. Well, I, it's weird. I mean, I, I can understand where she's coming from in terms of that's how she her job works. But like, uh, it, it's, it's at the same time, you know, a lot of people really appreciated what they did to the film. So it is kind of, you know, like kind of your perspective, your perspective really kind of impacts how, how, how little kind of turned out in your head. Legi- obviously, obviously. Legitimately. The only thing that I didn't like about the movie, legitimately, the only thing I didn't like about the movie is the, is the digital stunt people. And I, the effects were so par. The, the, yeah. Which is a problem across the board with movies today. And I've, I've heard of the other people bring this up and I, I am, I am agreeing with it that it's because of how much special effects are split across houses that especially with Marvel movies they yeah, farm them out like nobody's business definitely so so nothing is uniform you know everything the look might be uniform but the effects aren't and that's why one effect may work while another one falls flat and right. Black Panther's jumping specifically was a like a little too springy for, for my taste. Like, it looked like Raimi's Spider-Man. I'll, I'll absolutely give you that. Definitely, right. yeah. The jumping from this, uh, the, uh, in South Korea looked great, and the jumping in Daylight in Wakanda, not as much. Yeah, exactly, yeah. But everything else about it, I was I was on board. Everything, just about everything else about it, I was, I was on board so for. You mentioned the jumping in the uh, train scene. So I want to point out one more thing I heard Mark Bernardin say in the most recent episode of Fat Man. Oh, uh, yes, this is a great one. There. Ryan, this movie is so dense. It like it feels specific, is what he was saying. And uh, I'm not black, so I'm not speaking for myself. I'm speaking. I'm just kind of quasi quoting uh, Mark Bernardin, who is black. It's so dense that he literally included two black men ending the movie fighting in an underground railroad. <laughs> Touchdown, motherfucker! Touchdown. So you want you want to discount what that man says? He's smart. He gets it. He says <laughs> oh. things like that. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't have to take one black guy over because I'm my own black guy. But like, no, no, it's I'm it's an interesting saying, perspective. Don't, don't don't write off the one criticism we're arguing about for thirty minutes when there's other things that everybody else is noticing that are just as valid. Oh, like, have you seen hard. Have you seen the uh, Ryan Coogler breaks down the fight scene? Yes, from uh, Vanity Fair. Yes, Don, yes. have you okay. seen that? I I have not. I, so that, that's uh, I was I was planning to see it after the after the second uh, time I saw it. So but the, the main some... thing that he was talking about in there. Oh my god! Is like, can I, can I do um, it? Go for it. You're black. You do it. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, like, he breaks down color theory, and like, that's such an advanced aspect of filmmaking, and it, it's also kind of a nuanced thing. Like he says that Okoye, Nakia, and and uh, T'Challa are wearing black, green, and red. And he says that, you know, in, in the Pan-African flag, those are the primary colors of black, green, and red, and it's, and it's true. And it is just that he has this eye for, oh, this, this brain for giving you so much subtext in, uh, in one scene. It's, 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 it boggles my mind. Like, like, when, like what Brent said about what Mark Bernard said, it's a, literally a fight in an underground railroad. That is super specific. 
or the scenes in in taking his his life growing up in in Oakland. You know, putting that in the film also as well. The idea a lot of things in that, yeah. The the idea of you know this uh, idealized version of Africa, and we always have this idealized version of, of Africa where it's like this homeland, is, and it's you get it in Wakanda, but then there also you see that realize that that idealized homeland doesn't really have anything to do with us. You know, it's that the fact that they that they did remain an isolationist nation for years and decades and centuries, where they could have done things to change the course history, but they didn't. And yes, some of that is Lee and Kirby trying to skirt the issue back in the 60s of, you know, Black Panther being a black hero, so why didn't Wakanda do something to stop the slave trade, or why was slavery a thing, or why was there still segregation? Yeah, that's them skirting the issue, but again, it does bring up you know, that deeper meaning of what really is acceptance, what really is home, what really is um, what really is the value of being black in America now, also too. I mean, I think it's funny that that final that final scene in Black Panther is kind of juxtaposed with a comedic scene and then also a very serious scene. Um, well, also, um, oh, let me I'm sorry. Quick. Go ahead. That you know when they bring in the uh, the uh, the royal ship, right, and they decloak, right, and of course they walk away from it, and they you hear in the background the two kids like, oh yeah, we can sell, yeah, we can sell this real quick and get money for it, and the one kid is just staring at it, right. I think that's the that that juxtaposition of you know that mindset of of really two dominant forms of black culture. You know, there is the the more urban and more ethnic um, black culture where it's out there on the fringe, and then there's you know this, and then you have black culture which has been in the forefront of technology for centuries. You know, the, mo- the modern inventor of the steam engine was an African American. Uh, the, the innovator behind after Eli Whitney behind the cotton gin was, Af- was an African American. African Americans African Americans have been known in science, have been known in history, have been known in architecture. The man who designed Philadelphia and also designed I'm sorry designed Washington D.C. and also designed the Philadelphia Art Museum was an African American. So it really does play upon that dichotomy of those two worlds and kind of merging together, which I think is so seamless when Cougar does it because he he has that knack for subtext, and I think it's the subtext that really does help that help the movie a lot and criticisms aside yeah even i said before not to beat it not to beat a dead horse but with t'challa does have a have like a little of a mini arc not a big one but he does have a mini arc and he does kind of he is that merger of two worlds you know i think that's what we're missing from the character because in the comics t'challa was you know raised in wakanda but educated in america so he has that that um that blending of those two worlds. I think that's what's missing from this character. And I think hopefully uh, to fix whatever issue there was from T'Challa in this first one is easily done because you have now T'Challa no longer being reactionary but being proactive. And that's what you see at the very end. Well, I think also uh, the the larger theme of different black perspectives uh, is much more kind of like embedded because I mean, I don't, I don't know if it was like the New Yorker article or like the the Atlanta article, but like I mean, like the name Black Panther, obviously the Marvel Comics Black Panther. I say obviously, but like for those who don't know, it, it did predate the Black Panther group in America by Huey P. Newton and Bobby Seale. But that was that had started in Oakland, California. This film begins in Oakland, California. Yeah. And when you can rec- re- when you recognize 
the narration being like Kid Killmonger and Sterling K. Brown, as opposed to what you might imagine would be T'Chaka and T'Challa. We imagine the two opposing forces between T'Challa, who represents, at least by the end of it, a more conciliatory uh, embracing of expanding culture and combining different peoples and kind of making a coalition, as opposed to black superiority you know and this this goes beyond like you know the you know everyone's favorite idea of xavier and magneto as malcolm x and martin Luther king this is this is kind of really getting into kind of like the battle you know kind of like uh the dark night of the soul and genuine i mean genuinely like like the theme of t'challa's viewpoint versus to uh killmonger's viewpoint it's it's a gigantic kind of great power great responsibility thing that it really kind of doubles over multiple times when you kind of, either when you watch it again or kind of when you kind of think of different scenes or at least different think of different images, that it really. I mean, this 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 really is very good. Um, whether whether you like certain aspects or not, like in terms of the writing, this is kind of done for a purpose, even beyond just let's bring Black Panther up to uh, to you know to realization in live action film. And I think that like uh, because of what the characters represent and because of what how they. Uh, bring about the story that's kind of what kind of keeps me in awe about it even though black panther was never really one of my favorite characters Mm -hmm. he has been lately so yeah and and i i appreciate the fact that this movie uh although it uses a little bit of reginald hudlin's run uh only in a couple in the introduction of of certain characters from his run it is definitely chris priest and ta-nehisi coates more than anybody else yes it's a um, lot of coats. Oh yeah, yeah. The purple yeah. and everything. Like the Brian Stillfree's designs, you can see all over the place. Yeah, the, and the door, the door melange uh, is straight yeah. priest. Like that is completely what I wanted out of this film, as little huddled as possible. That's all I need to say. <laughs> um, no, no kid in play. No, no Martin Lawrence. None of that. Exactly. Um, and so one, one last. Uh, I, I I I really hate stealing things from other from other from other people and other podcasts. But I'll, literally, the only other thing that I want to bring up from somebody from what somebody else said uh, yet again from what Wesley Lee the Third said, and I want your guys' take on this. He felt like one of the one of the things that made the movie not work for him the most was having Everett K. Ross be a CIA agent and knowing the history of the CIA and the Black Panther movement that. He felt like any CIA agent helping a Black Panther just felt disingenuous to him. And reading too much into it, bro. That is definitely that's what I feel. That's what I feel personally. But I wanted to see what 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 you guys think about that because Ever K. Ross is not a CIA agent in the comics. They decided to make what's him his job again? Because he's worked for the government. What yeah, was it he's again? a liaison. Uh, yeah, he's State Department, right? Mm-hmm. He's also younger. Yeah, he is. Yes, um, and my, he's also like uh, uh, a bumbling fool in the comics, and he's way more competent here than he than he is in the comics. You, yes. you have to know that the real history of like we really read up in the Black Panther political party history mm-hmm. and the CIA is part of that um, to really read into that. Uh, it's not as immediately offensive as if, uh, you know, the talking white guys are both plantation owners or something like that. <laughs> or if it was uh, a Klansman. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, something that was obvious to everybody that was, like, obviously really offensive. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think he's reading too much into it. I, I, I personally believe so as well. I, I think I think the, the role of Everett K. Ross actually worked really well in this movie just because he he is – 
the literal sidekick, you know, in a, in a world, uh, in, a, in, a, in a movie that is all black except for the villain and the sidekick when so many movies have the black character as the sidekick. This was a perfect reversal in that way. Ever I mean, we, we even, um, two actors from a J.R.R. Tolkien film yes. is like the whitest thing you can do. The, 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 and I gotta say it because everybody else does the Tolkien white guys of the film. <laughs> I said it. I said it like three seconds ago. I know. Well, we, 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 uh, yeah. We've not, we've not really like. And of course, you know, we're all men. We've not really laid to uh, to words like like the women in this film. Oh my god! And kind of how <sighs> how completely over. I mean, because in the, the comic film review episode, I had um. And my friend Jan on there, mm-hmm. and she just went wild about you know how their hair was all you know you know not 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 a uh, compromised mm-hmm. and how none of them were overtly exploited and you had different kinds of personalities in the women. It wasn't just the I the woman and like, I mean even that. I mean I think that kind of kicks the ass of a lot of other Marvel. Not to oh say the God. Marvel films were, were sexist, but like this goes a gigantic step forward in ways which I think we tend to forget because it was it was so many of them. Well, two two movies in two years, two superhero movies in two years, the two strongest female portrayals on screen that we've seen. And that is very important. I mean, the, the, the Dora Milaje in this, uh, Nakia in this, they they are so nuanced and strong and powerful and just capture every single scene that they're in so beautifully similarly to the way that you know Wonder Woman gave us a you know a, a woman on screen that wasn't just a woman on screen she was powerful she <laughs> <For> was <once. laughs> exactly like that this it, it absolutely worked and and it fleshes out the you know the 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 cast of this so perfectly I, and and Angela Bassett as well I mean oh my god like she doesn't have she doesn't have many scenes in this movie but she, as as T'Challa's mother she absolutely works so great and so many so many terrific actors all throughout this movie um just capture their roles beautifully and and yeah the, the, the women are so goddamn strong in this it's it, it made me so I'm uh, oh, sorry can I, have, can, I let, can I let you on a, on a secret? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, you know my aunt who uh, was in the, the Defenders? Yes. She genuinely auditioned for Ramonda, uh, Queen Mother. Oh, shit. Yeah, like, like, I, like, yeah. Um, oh. she, was, she was visiting when she was talking to her, to her uh, agent about it. And like as soon as I found out, like I, I, I gave her so many comics and she was even kind of trying out accents. But she said this part's probably going to go to uh, Angela Bassett. And would you believe it did? <laughs> Hey, at least it wasn't Vivica A. Fox. <laughs> well, at least it wasn't Vivica like Tiffany Haddish or somebody. Vivica's so. hungry. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, no, that, that that's 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 pretty that's pretty awesome. <laughs> I I love hearing stories about your aunt. Your aunt just seems like an awesome person. <laughs> it's 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 been a crazy couple of years. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but but yeah. Uh, well, let, let's talk a little bit too about. Uh, Daniel Kaluuya's part in this as well uh, as, as Wakabi. Um, I mean, Wakabi Wakabi is loyal in in the in the comics, from what I know of the character. And they decided to go different in this. The fact that his parents were killed uh, in in Claw's initial attack uh, on on Wakanda, <clears throat> and then having him, you know, put his faith in T'Challa. 
that T'Challa would be the one to, you know, right that wrong and, you know, bring Claw to justice. And when he doesn't, and when Killmonger does, that's a defining moment for Wakabi right there because, yeah, he's, he's, he's angry. You can see that in him. But I'm not quite sure if it's, a, it's, it's disloyalty or just believing that change has to happen and believing in Killmonger's change. That's, that's what's so unique about this. Like, I don't even think it's a betrayal. It's just more like a different direction to take. And it's Killmonger's I, I kind of saw it as a betrayal because, like, if he's... Every character but uh, Killmonger's lived in Wakanda around the royal family for all their life. So they've seen or, or heard about um, the rituals and the traditions and stuff. And, like, they all know the rules of the trial by combat or whatever, you know, king by combat type thing, the challenge. And as soon as T'Challa shows up and says, I'm not dead and I didn't yield, he should have been like, oh, shit, you're right. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I don't know. I feel like he had bought in too much to um, Killmonger's vision at that point. Yeah. Uh, he was too blinded by the vision than, than to actually recognize what he knows in his heart is like, oh yes, my my king is still alive. He my king is still correct. He didn't do either of those things, and therefore, uh, he is still king until that moment where he yields or dies. So I, I thought more of a uh, as a betrayal. Yeah, he got a soldier. He goes up against his girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. He a whole bunch of people do die with him at the at the helm there. So yeah, I, I can I can see where you're coming from on that. It's just, uh, it, it's believable. Let's 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 just put it that way. It's believable why he chose that direction. Yes, it is believable. Yeah, um, which is which is different than some other films where you know people just betray for the sake of betraying. Like this, this I actually totally believed, and I absolutely loved. When his when his rhino's charging, <laughs> and, and then just goes right up to a Koye and just gives it the just gives a Koye the lick, like okay. I didn't because it looked like crap. Eh. I thought that was I thought that was wonderful. I I, I enjoyed. I mean, it. it was funny, but the effects were subpar. I I, I enjoyed we it for what it was. Talk about the design, though, like the design of. I mean, every, I thought every design in this movie was astounding, except for the Black Panther suit. Really? It was yeah, pretty much so, the same. Uh, no, no. Um, that one from Civil War is the one I prefer, and I'm not. I'm not against the the Iron Man bleeding edge, you know, nanite of it all. I think that's cool, but but specifically the mask is much more menacing and threatening. Uh, the original one he starts out in the movie with, and what's in Civil War, than what he ends up with in this film. What he wears in the film is much more like cat-like and stuff. It's much more feline, mm-hmm. but it's not necessarily feral. So I think my major complaint is that when he takes on the new suit, his silhouette is different. It's much more feline than Batman, per se. But the way that they highlight the eyes with like the silver markings and stuff like that, it's not as, as threatening or feral as the original one. And to me, it seems like a step down. Like, you want to impose power, and what he w- is wearing, the w- that second mask, is not as, uh, it doesn't scream power the way the first one did. Especially the way, that- like, the golden jaguar, or whatever they want to call Killmonger suit, <laughs> was way more threatening than um, than what he was, T'Challa was wearing That's at scary. the time. Yeah. I would agree with you that, like, I do prefer the Civil War suit, because I think that the, the, uh, 
the mask is the kind of way the, the nose of the of the mask and the eyes are kind of cool. But um, so so I, I noticed the difference, but I think it was so minor that like I, I thought he was going to go around with his eyes visible the whole time, and that was like one scene. So uh, I prefer the Civil War thing, but it's not. I, I wouldn't say it's a major complaint. And I thought that Killmonger's costume looks downright scary. So, I, like, no, I, I like Killmonger's costume. Another thing I, that I was watching the film, I couldn't tell half the time if um, Chadwick Boseman was wearing a skin-tight Black Panther uh, super suit. Or if he was wearing a like green screen suit, like um, what's his name in Green Lantern, like if it was all CGI. I know sometimes the head was. It's probably but I partial. Couldn't tell if it was, you know, if it was he was wearing a real shot, real costume or whatever. Yeah, it, it's it's probably it partial because uh, like that's how they do Downey Jr. now is that like he wears part of the Iron Man outfit but not the whole thing. And then uh, they CGI the rest on, so it was it was probably. I've a seen combo. shots. It's it's, it's it, I, heard, I thought I, I've seen it be real. Oh okay. It's actual. It's, it's I saw some behind the scenes of um, Michael B. Jordan wearing his suit without the headset or uh, the the head, but I guess they digitally um, add so many things to it that shine that it probably loses the realism. Yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, w- one one thing about the suits that I definitely appreciated uh, was that. Uh, T'Challa choosing to not use the gold when that was essentially the Chris Priest Black Panther outfit, which his father was wearing, which was awesome. Yes, yes, that was, that, I, I'm, that was my biggest like geek markout moment. T'Chaka Black Panther, I love that. Oh my god! So let, let's touch on T'Chaka because uh, it's a it's a good uh, good way to go from here. Um, just how wrong was he to to do what he did? Not only to his brother, but but leaving Eric there the way the way he did. Um, I, I mean, do you, I, do, you, do you think he should have brought Eric back to Wakanda? Yes, yes, yes. I, I, think I would not do that to my brother's him, son. Him killing a, a Wakandan spy for disobeying orders and trying to start a revolution, I don't think is wrong. As a king, that sounds like treason to me. The fact that it was a it was his brother kind of does change it a little bit for me, but. You know, if he was just like uh, somebody he knew or something like that, and not necessarily his brother, I'd been like, "Yeah, you're totally in the right to to have you know mm-hmm. executed your your uh, subject right. for disobeying and, orders for committing treason." Sure, it wasn't it wasn't an execution; it was self defense because he had full intentions to bring him back to Wakanda to face trial. Right. Sure, right, right, um, but. Which leads me to believe that had he brought him back, would he have brought Eric with them then? Yeah, and Eric would be like, you know, a, an adult spouting all these anime references to Black Panther <laughs> as opposed to trying to kill him. All right. You said it. I fucking love that he's essentially wearing Vegeta's outfit. Hell yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Of, Wakanda, of all Wakandans. Yes. I mean, like. Tachala, get back here. <laughs> Do you know who I am? I am Kakara. I am Killmonger, Prince of all Wakanda. Killmonger, what's his power level? It's over nine thousand. Over nine thousand, y'all. God, oh, I've already seen shirts, mock-up shirts with like combining the two. Oh, of course, of course, yeah. But I, I mean, th- think about it. Like T'Chaka essentially took away Eric Killmonger's home twice. He took away his father, which was his home, and then by n- not giving him access to Wakanda, he takes it away a second time. 
leaves him there alone by himself. Well, by not taking him, she yeah. didn't deny him. Yeah, she never took him until he was thirty-five. Okay, had 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 his brother not given him the tattoo, he would not have been able to return to Wakanda. Correct. Yeah, he, yeah, he 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 essentially exiled. I mean, I think that what he did was wrong. I think I I yeah. understand why he did it. I don't think it was out of malice, mm-hmm. but it wasn't the more. It's what he says. You know, you can't. You know, a good man doesn't. It doesn't. You know. It's, you know, you can't be a good man and be a king at the same time. And I think that he was speaking from experience, unbeknownst to T'Challa. So I think that there was moral compromises that he did for the greater good, but it was still a moral compromise. Yeah, that T'Challa makes good on, I think. But like, but I mean, but that being said, I mean, this real quick, like, this is the most like anime fighting a Marvel films ever had Definitely. with like the energy storage and all that kind of stuff. That that, that, that shit went wild, man. I, I was having a lot of fun watching yeah. that. Which which makes absolutely perfect sense because. I've been to enough anime conventions, and words are everywhere. So it makes oh, it, it makes it makes perfect sense why things are as anime I, as they are. I got black people love Street Fighter. We love Dragon Ball Z. We yes. love Marvel comics. I mean, like, like when will you people? Not you people, but like when, it's, a lot of people still don't get that. But like, yeah, it's oh it's, man, Come when on. they did that, it was just like a video game. Yeah, it was ser- awesome. seriously. When, when I do when I do my panels at conventions, man, it's at least like half and half. Like seriously, I mean, there's there 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 are so many. I I love just how many different varieties of people are in anime. Straight up, like it's it's not just white people, it's not just Asian people, it's it's freaking everybody, and 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 it, it showed here in Black Panther because you could tell that it wasn't just Michael B. Jordan who was into anime. <laughs> I love that weeb. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. And so, what what was your favorite line in the movie? I'm I'm curious uh, out at, of at, out of all you guys because uh, because I, I definitely have one. Uh, Brandon, you you got one. Give me a minute. I need to think for a couple seconds. All right. Brent, you got one? Brent disappeared. I don't know if you noticed. Oh, did he? he like 10, sec- 10, 10 seconds ago, he oh. like hopped off the call. All right. Well, uh, he'll, he'll probably come back. Uh, mine is definitely uh, – well, wait. Hold on. Let's see. Uh, no. Okay. Yeah. He'll, he'll be back any second now. Mine is definitely – oh, hey, auntie. No, that I, that is one of my favorites. That was, that was so like – that was so mean spirited, but he's like, like, "Hey, Auntie." Yeah. <laughs> so flip, I love it. It was just so like, "Hey, I know you. You know, you know who I am now, don't you?" Yes. It's like, I did not yield it. I am not dead. All that challenge shit is over now. <laughs> oh my god! Yes. Yeah, Brent. Brent, you're back now. What was it? What do you have a favorite line of the movie? Colonizer. <laughs> uh, don't touch anything, colonizer. I, I said. I said while you were gone, my favorite was, "Hey, Auntie." <laughs> All right, Donovan, you got one. The one thing I got the biggest laugh for me was like uh, when T'Challa was like looking at uh, all the different things. Like, what are these? And she's like, "Well, the real question is, what are those?" <laughs> yes, it <laughs> exploded. That was that was awesome. Uh, that, kept, that kept the movie real for me. Oh my god, oh, no. yes. <laughs> he was wearing sandals like pain from Disney's Hercules. <laughs> <laughs> Do, do we do we think Shuri's going to become a Black Panther herself at some point? That's a good question. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'd like to see it. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, because I mean, they, the heart shaped herb is quote unquote gone, but we all know why the heart shaped herb is the heart shaped herb because there's definitely an Infinity Stone down there. Well, is there? Yeah, uh, I've seen people say that, that. It's some the Reality Stone sometimes or 
no. The soul, soul stone? The soul stone, yeah. The soul stone. something the, to do with Iron Man now. Oh, really? Is what I've been seeing Seriously? on the Seriously? Oh, man, because the soul stone makes perfect sense, though, considering the fact that, like, wh- okay, so what do you do yeah, with the heart? to the uh, uh, alternative <clears throat> universe? Or, exactly. Uh, the- Ancestral plane. Yeah, the heart the heart shaped bird takes you to the ancestral ancestral plane. It connects you soul, mind, body, and soul to your ancestors. Like that 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 just makes sense, and it's for that's a really good idea. Yeah, I think it makes sense. I just I can understand why they did. If that is the case, why they didn't put it in the movie? Because this movie had so much to do about you know I don't know making comic book movies fun for black people and. Righteousing everything in the last thirty years, and who the hell else knows? You can ask the other two guys on this call what it did, but I can I can feel how it had so much weight on it to do all of that. Yeah. They were like, "Nah, we're not going to set up Infinity War. You can do that later." Yeah, well, they did it. They did it at least one way. I mean, uh, reintroducing uh, uh, you know Winter Soldier uh, outside of his stasis. At the end of the movie, no, the White Wolf is as name now. Yes. Oh, that was that. I I had a feeling. I had a feeling they were, go that, they were going to go that way. Well, because White Wolf, White Wolf is a, <laughs> White Wolf is a I character was, in the comics. So yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. But that—that's supposed to be like his brother or something. Yeah, Hunter. It's White Tiger. No, Hunter is White Wolf. His brother, White Tiger, is uh, another. White Tiger is, is like like, like uh, the Hispanic guy and like the girl from the Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Brandon, did you, did you come up with a line by the way? Uh, yeah, I got two All actually. Right. Um, uh, we're always facing another broken white boy. That's like the one there. Yes. <laughs> uh, and um, oh god. Uh, hi, Nikia. <laughs> <laughs> did he freeze like an antelope? I never freeze. <laughs> Oh my god, like an antelope. I love it. <laughs> oh man. It, 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 I'm glad there was as much humor in this movie cuz there there could have easily not been. And and they and they injected just the right amount. Like like I said, like like there's plenty of humor, but I felt it was way more uh tonally appropriate than just kind of turning it to farce. Yes. Um, yeah, I, 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 and also like you know when when uh, Okoye said this, they talking like you know I can't pronounce it. They, they this is a language or whatever, but like he's like if he touches you one more time, <laughs> I thought that was cool. Yeah. Um. All right. I mean, I, I think I think we've we've done a good job of going over a decent amount here. Uh, anything that I haven't touched on that we should at this point. Uh, let me go. Oh, can let I me, just say though? Yeah, go ahead. I, I hope. I hope to God. I hope to God that he gets the cape soon. I just want the cape. Yes. I just want the cape. Yeah, I love the cape. Look, Coach doesn't like it, but I do. Hey, don't don't make, don't, uh, don't make me say it. Don't make me say it. No capes. <laughs> King Solomon's frog from the Kirby era. I want to do that. Oh God, really? <laughs> okay, I God. swear, if we wind up with any Kirby shit in this, including that crazy ass outfit he gave him in, in the Return of Black Panther, no. Just no, okay. Treasure hunting <laughs> for some reason. Uh, oh Looking my. for buried treasure. Black oh Panther, God. rise of the Tomb Raider. <laughs> Half master short sleeves. Why? 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 Daniel Craig. Uh, uh, you know what? You know what though? Um, never mind. What's up? No, go ahead. I was gonna make an obscure reference to Cold Tiger, but never mind. Oh no, you can you you can go you can go right ahead. <laughs> like I just just imagine you know, if, we, if we had uh, Storm in this movie, oh. and just you know the, this the 
hints of, you know, hey, Cold Tiger would have been that's a lovely thing to see because I, I love that character. Because, you know, I love anything from the Marvel MC2 line. Mm-hmm. They got to do um, Akibi as a villain for the next film. That's Ooh, like the I, obvious... I swear to God, the guy from the River Tribe, I swear that's, it has to be a Chepe. That has to be him. Because his big three villains were in this one. You had, you had uh, the Man Ape, you had Claw, and you had Killmonger. Like, after that, to me, it's Akibi. Ugh. <clears throat> uh. If we get a champ, I'll be so happy. Like it would be Black like, Joker. Come on. I, I, I just have to say uh, I have never been a fan of Storm and Black Panther. And if the rights do wind up coming to Disney, I kind of understand why they would want to. But I kind of be okay if they don't because it's always felt forced to me. It is but- always felt forced, Storm and Black Panther. Yeah, yeah, because because a priest even addressed it in his run. It says, "Oh, we would never get." It's like Superman and Wonder Woman. Like we would never get together. And then like Hudson was like, "Yes, you are." Yes, I agree with you. I I I, I didn't love it either. I, not, I come down on it now, but Hudlin, uh, okay. it's either or for me. You know as well as I do. Hudson was like, "Oh, hey, two prominent black two characters. Black. They should get married." Both from Africa. Yeah. Both from Africa, right? Yeah, that yeah. happens all the time. Sure. Exactly. Yeah, right. I can understand that, but like they're different characters. Exactly. <laughs> right. You know, like they 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 had. I actually really appreciate that they had the you know the childhood fling that they did, and then that was it. Just like I appreciated back in the day that Captain America and and uh, T'Chaka, it was T'Chaka, I think, uh, you know, had their tie. Yeah. And then Red, Reginald Hudlin had to go all like, nope, nope. Black Panther one. That's it. Nope. That's it. Remember what you saw before? Never happened. Why? Because I'm original Hudlin. I do what I want. Hey, hey, hey calm, calm down, Wedgie. Calm down. Uh, they gave him permission. Yeah, but th- that's because they were given. He was giving him a decent amount of that. He was giving him a decent amount of money at the time. That's why. Uh. Yeah. yeah, I'm, I'm going to produce that uh, that Black Panther cartoon. Yeah, so let me write the book for you. Yeah. Fuck off. And speaking of which, I highly appreciate there was a, uh, a special thanks to Don McGregor in there, uh-huh. considering how much he has yeah. to do with uh, with the legacy of Black Panther. Yeah, I mean, I mean Wakanda was basically just like background noise until he showed up. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so, so uh, that's another idea for the sequel. Like he's got to fight the clan. <laughs> <laughs> hate monger here comes the hate monger yeah. you, can you imagine like, like, like the, the poster him, he like him just bursting off of that cross oh my god okay <laughs> no one would stand for it but i would love it <laughs> there is there is only one way that i would accept hate monger in these films and that is if he was played by Fire christoph President? waltz by who christoph waltz Oh God! Can we get a different actor to play a fucking villain? You want a lispy, vaguely Prussian Uh, uh, hate Yeah, yeah, I sure do. So overplayed. Hello, I'm hello, I'm hate monger. I am here to hate everybody because I am white. Really, no. Stop that one. I play this game with my Bring friends all the time. Like, like we wind up, we wind up bringing up an actor. And we're like, who would he play in uh, in, a, in a Marvel movie? And I think, I think Christoph Waltz would do a damn good job. God. <laughs> oh man. All right. So, uh, well, I have one question. Sure. And it's for uh, our two black members here. <laughs> in yes. three minutes or less, I want to be a little self indulgent towards them. But I want to know because I asked my cubemate what he thought of it, and I didn't get any like in, 
I don't know, deep answer from him. He, he's black. So I want to know from these guys who I talk more about comics with than my cute mate, uh, what this movie meant to you. Brandon, you go first. What this movie meant for me was, uh, Dono said he cried up a little bit in one of the parts of the movie, and I freely I teared up also too. Uh, I teared up at weirdest part at Warrior Falls, and not the fight, not not the losing. It was the shot of Warrior Falls when it's this this tilt shot where they're coming down, and you see I'm sorry, this tilt up shot, and you see columns and rows and rows of people rejoicing and being there and celebrating the essence of being Wakanda, and that made me cheer up a little bit because that was um, it was the first time I really felt included in any movie. And uh, yeah, there have been movies where there has been a black point of view character or a, a black main central character, but they always felt like an outlier in those movies. And this felt very inclusive to the character where it it, it drove home that inclusion does matter. And I know that sounds cliche and I know it sounds hacky now, but I mean, it really, it matters to me and it made an impact to me because I, I, it, it didn't make me want to be a better black person. So I think you can only be, <laughs> but I, I think it just, it kind of not globalized it a little bit, but it, it made me feel proud, you know, and that it's, not just you know in the whole oh I'm seeing Black Panther that made me feel proud. No, I, I feel I feel proud because it, it shows an achievement and a milestone. Or you have this director who's coming on his third movie, his third freaking movie, and he's doing something fantastic. And it's just it gives me hope that there will be other people to follow in his footsteps. And it made me feel happy to see this movie succeed. I wonder what movie he's going to do next with Michael B. Jordan. I don't, I'm right. He's like Scorsese in, uh, in, in DiCaprio. Yeah. Well, he's he, he is apparently doing a movie called Wrong Answer next. Uh, a math teacher in Atlanta is scandalized when he looks to get funding for his school by alerting his students' tests... Sorry, by altering his students' test scores. Mm. Any other person that would sound boring, but I'll definitely see it. Starring? Oh, guys, it's like Starring Michael B. Jordan. Michael B. Jordan. It's it's like it's like Lean on Me for twenty for twenty nineteen. Yeah, <laughs> Lean on Me was awesome. <laughs> All right, Donovan, give you give your give your three minutes. All right, start the clock. Um, you know, like like uh, it's interesting because I said that I, I teared up both times with the mentioned Wakanda, and even the second time when the first scene with him and John Candy. Uh, where he's like, you know, kneeling, he's like, Stan, you're a king, and the music swells up. I mean, it hit me, and I don't know if it's because I'm getting older or it was that effective. Because, um, like, I, I went to the first showing with my family. I brought my, my mother and father and her aunt and my friend uh, Shay, and, like, uh, on opening night, we went an hour early to so get the, the best seats. Theater was packed. And I was thinking, you know, because my, my dad, when he was a teenager in the 70s, he loved Marvel Comics. He read Luke Cage and he read Black Panther. And he tried to get my brother and I in, into him. But, like, you know, I, I, I don't like a lot of the black heroes because I don't find them relatable. You know, I mean, I wanted like War Machine so much because the name is so awesome, but I, I can't really relate to him. You know, Luke Cage, I actively disliked because it made me feel bad. Um, and, like, you know, the only black character I loved for like a long time, like, without trying too hard, was Static because he was the most like me. Still, but like, um, as I've gotten older and I've read a lot more, I understand how 
representation works from different perspectives. And I think that because I've said before that like and um, other other places that like I felt kind of bad because I really liked in Winter Soldier that Nick Fury and Falcon shared two scenes of dialogue and I felt bad that I really liked that because it showed how bad that was in terms of representation like I felt bad that I felt good about that and like when you get we get to the point here where it's like uh, you know it's not just black people but like they're different types of people then you kind of recognize what pride is and it's not just you know making the opposition or making the other feel a certain way. Because even it's not even like inclusion, because inclusion invites the idea that like there's a majority and minority, which there are, but it felt like there was a normalization of perspectives. And you had a lot of people going on like, like I don't understand the big deal. You know, Ben Shapiro was shit talking, people getting excited about the film and people just kind of reacting to the over overwhelming joy of it. So I don't know if it's, if it's something that can be kind of translated, but like it, it kind of makes blackness and it kind of makes your identity real in ways which is kind of hard to describe of course with black people behind uh the camera it was it was real too like i was really happy that joe robert cole who wrote episodes from the uh people versus oj simpson was co-writing this so there was a real sense of competence with this and not just uh complacency or there was no compromise and um Again, like you know, like Black Panther's not my favorite hero, but he's risen the ranks a lot because I think that like he's really uh, achieved a lot of potential from my personal perspective, and also it's kind of become a household name. So yeah, I, I felt uh, I felt emboldened by this movie as well as it being actually good and one of the best. <laughs> so so the thing the thing that I'll say uh, you know as as a white guy because uh, you know I don't know if you knew that about me, but I'm a white Jew. Uh, is yeah, seriously, I I know, right? But big, big freaking shock. Uh, so I thought we were all black here. I uh, yeah, at heart. Um, I mean, I, I someone lied to me. I, I live I live in Brooklyn. Does that count? Um, I uh, no, it doesn't. <laughs> no, close. I, one one thing that uh, I find very encouraging uh, in Hollywood is that Get Out uh, did as well as it did. Because that was a movie that uh, was very much about, uh, you, you know, black, black people and their place in this world and all that jazz. And the fact that nobody really, like, over and over again, people say that, oh, movies with women aren't going to do, do well in Hollywood. You know, people just don't go see, you know, powerful women in lead roles and oh no black movies don't do well unless they're nominated for oscars and and stuff like that um but we had get out yes which was nominated for an oscar but still that was a surprise and it was fucking fantastic and jordan peele wasn't a man uh we had girls night and now we have black panther and they're kicking everybody's ass in numbers and are damn good movies and I hope that this is a sign in the right direction here. I really is that that Hollywood producers need to shut the fuck up about things not selling because they're a specific way, you know. Just because they're a, they just have to be good. That's it. Period. You know why weren't mo- movies about women selling? Because there were bad movies about women out there for a while. Made by men. <laughs> made by men. Exactly. So you get a movie, you know, made by a woman about women, and shockingly, it does well. You get a black superhero movie out there, written and directed by a black man, and shockingly, it does well. So, this is this is definitely a step in the right direction, and I am so happy that this movie was 
as good as it was. Because if it was mediocre, that would have been worse than it being awful. That would have been heartbreaking. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. So I awesome. I really enjoyed it, and it's easily my... I think it might even be my favorite of the solo movies. Uh, it's neck and neck with Iron Man, and, and everybody on this show who's listened to me list my favorite Marvel movies, Iron Man's always listed because it started it off. This is legit neck and neck with, with Iron Man on the solo movies. I don't count Winter Soldier as a solo movie, frankly. That at that point, Captain America started being Captain America and his amazing friends, and I don't mind that. But it wasn't a solo movie like the first Captain America was. But Brandon, what, what were you gonna say? I was gonna say uh, to piggyback and kind of put a cap or a pin in this. Like it, it, it shows how important that the person behind the camera has a voice and a vision for a film, which goes hand in hand with that film. Like you said, there were some shitty movies about women that were not great. That should have been great. But the problem is you you had a person who had no idea what it was like being a woman behind the camera. And now you have Patty Jenkins, who just kicked all the ass with Wonder Woman. Mm -hmm. You have Ava DuVernay with Wrinkle in Time now coming out. And now Black Panther coming out. And you have the people who have lived these stories who can shape the actual movie properly. I mean, that's the, that's the, the sucky part about movies, that movies are a director's medium. And you may have an awesome script, but that person who's running that film, who is running the ca- who is behind that camera, doesn't have anything to input to it. it. It won't make a difference if that movie is has an Academy Award-winning script. It's the, the voice is overridden by the director. And now we have people of color, we have women, we have trans, we have everything else. Like, I mean, if you look at the of the of the list of people who were on Black Panther, you had a woman who had spent years doing um, costume design, Academy Award, Academy Award winning costume design, mind you, also as well. Yep. Uh, and if she if she does not win an Academy Award for this movie, uh, there is no justice. In oh my role. God! Please. The cinematographer was a woman. On Black Panther, also as well. Um, again, I can go. On, I can just go on and on about Ryan Coogler and the fact that he, hell, even even with Creed, he went back to Philadelphia and made Philadelphia the character in the movie again for Creed, and it's just stupid things he does. Creed rocks. He does it so effortlessly, and we're now getting to the point where we can match up these talented people who, who otherwise wouldn't be seen, wouldn't be heard behind the camera with movies that matter and that can make an impact. Yeah. Can't, can't say it any more eloquently than that. All right. I think, I think that's basically, uh, I think we pretty much said everything at this point and I look forward to seeing, well, what the characters from this movie are going to be like in Infinity War. And uh, next month, next month, I know. Oh, hard, hard to freaking believe. I love that they moved it up a, a week or two. Uh, finally, we did the global release for America. Yeah, where the fucking comics were created. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> yeah, come on. Oh my god. Well, well, they weren't created in America, but that's cool. Yeah, no, I mean, like the uh, the characters. I know. Right. I'm just busting balls. Let me, let me also let, let me bring up uh, in passing here and in closing that uh, Black Panther Panthers Quest, written by Don McGregor with art by Gene Cullen, 
is currently 99 cents on Amazon to purchase for Comixology. So do yourself a goddamn favor and immediately purchase that. I just did. And I, I, I'm looking forward to reading that. I've been wanting to read that for years. And that's that's some essential Black Panther there. Also, Volume 4 of Ta-Nehisi Coates' run is part of, the, part of that 99 cents sale as well. And uh, I, I have uh, the first four volumes all part of uh, my, my Comicsology library at this point, and I cannot wait to see more. Give our ratings, ladies and germs, and we'll wrap it up. Uh, Donovan, out of five? Five. Right on. Brandon? Uh, can I get this movie at ten? Could that be uh, because? Yeah, you can give if it a twelve. divide by two, that's still a five out of five. Fuck your patriarchy. 13 out of, out of 5 then. This one goes to 13. <laughs> uh, colonizer, I mean Brent, uh what, what do you what, what do you, what do you what do you give it? Uh, a 5 out of 5? Yes. And uh, and shockingly, I give it a, a 5 out of 5. So uh I think we like this movie. You guys, well, last time that happened. The highest. Yeah. My score was the highest. We all liked it because as Donovan brought up we we I won't, that Iron Man three episode was fun. So <laughs> <laughs> five years ago, oh man! But uh, nah, it, it like even even with the small flaws, this movie is is absolutely fantastic, and I will I am happy to see it as many times as humanly possible. I'll definitely own it on Blu-ray. Uh, probably upsell it uh, for the Ultra HD for when I wind up getting a 4K TV eventually. And we'll roll from there. Uh, I think that's just about it, gentlemen. So uh, let's go ahead and remind everybody where they can find everybody. Uh, Casino, we'll start with you. Uh, let them know about the YouTube channel and what's upcoming. DK Bullets on YouTube. We have unboxing of the, every uh, DC Funko box. We've got a review of the Earth One Green Lantern graphic novel up. We're doing the March to Infinity War, where every week I go through the Marvel movies and rewatch them short little five to ten minute review and a refresher so if you don't have the time to watch them all before infinity war you can catch up that way uh trying to do a lot of different things on the channel but uh staying busy with two kids and travel is making it difficult but i'm doing my best right on and uh uh, no no uh, no audio bk's bullets uh in the pipeline as of now uh jim is itching to do something so we will have something soon i think in the next Nice, nice, very nice. Uh, Donovan, what do you got? Uh, as uh, referenced earlier, uh, there's a Black Panther review by myself, uh, Crazy Chris, Bertoni, and Jan on CBF Review, reviews with revue.lipson.com. Uh, check that out as well as the other episodes we've done the comic film review. Uh, my main gig, questions we don't have answers, can be found at qandanswers.com. The last episode we did was talking about uh, creators expressing their works, or, or expressing their sexuality in works, so you know I talked about comic book artists. Mm. Um, I do some work on the BatmanUniverse.net in terms of like commentaries. I do some articles and essays and stuff. Um, once in a while, I did a review. I, I did a review of like the Batman Wonder Woman two-parter of, from Tom King's current run recently. Uh, and yeah, and also I guess follow me on Twitter, uh, Dono DMG one. I, I think that's what it is. <laughs> but uh, thank you very much for having me on the show yet again. Yeah, my my pleasure, man. And speaking of Tom King, his uh, in, deluxe uh, vision 
quote unquote hardcover is also ninety nine cents on Comixology right now. If you don't I actually, read that. yeah, if you do not it's own great. Vision, that that this is the time to do it with the uh, the deluxe edition like that. I have the hardcover sitting on my shelf right now because I had to buy it. Uh, Brandon, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me all over the interwebs at the Dabadon, T H E D A B B A D O N. Uh, my podcast is on a little bit of a hiatus because my job sucks, but we are still putting out episodes. We are doing uh, RuPaul's uh, Best Friends Race right now. Our uh, episode nine just came out. That's where uh, uh, my co-host Adolph Baron and uh, Mallory uh, discuss each episode of RuPaul's Best Friends Race. Uh, I got some things coming down the pipeline. Um, hopefully, coming more to the podcast and hopefully to the YouTube's once I get some things set up. Because I will have some free time coming up in a couple weeks. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, get 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 Doss back on here. It's been a while. Oh yeah, definitely. Nice. All right, fantastic. And uh, you can find me here. Uh, but uh, I will I will mention that uh, in the couple of months since that we last had an episode, uh, I actually was on the Comic Geek Speak podcast. Uh, so uh, anybody who has not checked that episode out. It was uh, top five legacy heroes. Uh, so, uh, ooh, cool. Yes, uh, Gee, I wonder. I wonder who your number one was. Uh, it, I have no idea. I have no idea. No offhand. None. Okay. Miss Marvel. None whatsoever. She is on my list. As a spoiler, she is indeed on my list. But uh, yes, my number one is kind of a given if you've ever met me. Uh, but uh, Are you reading uh, How to the Green Lantern Corps? I, I am not, but uh, Casina has bought it, so I will wind up reading it eventually. Because uh, it's, it's really good stuff. Yeah. I, I really like that. I, I, with, uh, with Kyle too. I, I, yeah, that's basically why I want to check it out. Dude, uh, although I did, Rafa Sandoval killing it on that book. Oh my goodness! I mm-hmm. did. I did just. Art. I did just get. Uh, uh, um, blank. Now I'm. Now I'm blanking on the freaking name of it. Um, Tom King, uh, the space book he wrote for DC, um, with with Kyle in it. Uh, Space Ghost? Oh, oh, yeah. What the hell was it? Was, it? Uh, I forget what it's called. Well, Omega Men? Thank you. Yeah, that is, that is what that is what Brent said. Yeah. Uh, I did just get Omega Men, uh, so I'm, I'm looking forward to reading that uh, sometime in the next couple of weeks, talking about Kyle in space. But yeah, it's uh, episode uh, 1686 of, C- of CGS. Uh, came out on February 1st. It was Murd, myself, uh, uh, Chris Eberle for most of it, and Shane talking our legacy heroes, and eventually I'll be back on there talking legacy villains, but we'll see when that happens. And I also wrote an article uh, for Chowhound uh, on uh, the uh, some of my favorite pizzerias in the Bronx. So if anybody wants to check that out, you can go to chowhound.com uh, and search my name, and it'll come up uh, all about uh, places in Pelham Bay that I went to that have some really damn good pizza. So uh, awesome. give, give me some, give me some views and uh, and make the magic happen there, and that's about it all, all right now that I could think of. So that's it for that, uh, guys. Thanks for joining me. We'll try to make this a little bit more regular for the next episode, but no promises. We'll see what we can do. <laughs> and comic time and lactative. Exactly. More regular. Right. I know. Got to keep it more regular, more fiber. I hope Infinity War is half as good as this. I really do. Please let me let down. Please, please. We need it. We need it. And uh, that's about it. So the email address for Comic Timing is comictiming at gmail.com. You can find us uh, on conversation-wise at facebook.com slash comictiming. We post there regularly. So if you want to contribute to the conversations, that's a good place to do it. 
We're proud members of the Comics Podcast Network over comicspodcast.com and the League of Comic Book Podcasts over comicbooknoise.com slash league. And if you want to send us an iTunes review on iTunes, you can go ahead and do so. Shockingly, we're on iTunes. We're also basically anywhere else you can find podcasts. So find us there. So once again, for Donovan, for Brandon, and for Brent Casina, I'm Ian Levestein reminding everybody that there's always time for comics. And I never freeze. Wakanda forever! Wakanda forever! I'm, I'm doing the hand motion, but you can't see it because it's, it's an audio podcast. I, I, I might someday release that incomplete uh, Doctor Strange <laughs> episode that never came out, uh, but that that uh, that's still sitting in a can. Yeah. That's still sitting in a can. No, it, remember we were recording it, and the and the recording uh, we we missed like fifteen minutes of it because my recorder stopped. Yeah, because well, you ran out of room for. Uh, yeah, exactly. That's it why was I, Luke Cage thing, right? Uh, I think it also had Luke Cage on it. Luke, the, or did we did we did we release the Luke Cage part? I'm, tr- I'm trying to Luke remember. Luke Cage came out. Yeah, Luke, Ca- Luke Cage came out. It's just it was the rest of the shit that never actually came out. I completely forgot. About that. Yeah, yeah, because. I remember it was, like, December, too. Like, it was December of, like, 2016, I think. Yeah, late 2016, because that's when Doctor Strange came out. Yeah. Uh, let's see. It was episode 184. We talked. Humberto Ramos. That, that was when we talked about the Humberto Ramos and George Perez shit. That's right, yeah. Because we did that first, and then after that was, like, like was like like media review. Yes, yes. So I, I, I might actually tackle that and finally release it in the next couple of weeks. I would, I would like to at least get that out there as the lost episode. I like putting out lost episodes. They're fun. Yeah.